Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of The Cole Memo. This episode of The Cole Memo is sponsored by Burnzomatic. If you want to concern your family with regard to your cannabis usage, buy yourself a Burnzomatic and start doing dabs. I'm just joking. Full disclosure, this episode is not uh, sponsored by Burnzomatic. Um, if you're wondering what dabs are, though, here's a little uh, lesson here. So I, the, the sparker in my torch is not working. So what I did was probably dangerous. But check this out. This is a nectar collector. It was made in Ohio. This will also concern your family if they have no idea what they're looking at. It looks like a fucking syringe or something, but it's actually a piece for consuming cannabis. So I've got cannabis concentrate right here. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to heat this tip until it's red hot. This will make one of the most, you know, vocal proponents of cannabis question whether or not cannabis is okay. Look at this. Doesn't this look scary? All right. So the tip is red hot. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take it, put it in the cannabis concentrate. And there's a dab. Speaking of people being against cannabis in my next episode, which should now be available at thecolememo.com slash Patreon, I speak with somebody who does not believe that cannabis should be legal. Here is a sneak peek at that episode. But I'm just curious, a person like me who's cultivating cannabis for themselves in their own home, using it themselves, it's not leaving, it's not, society doesn't even know except for the fact that I just said it on the record. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Do you think there's a problem with that? I'd say that I don't have just like what my preferred policy would be. Yeah. Like what would, how would you deal with Cole doing this? The officials found out what's the answer. Yeah. You know, um, once again, you can stream that full debate. You might be able to call it on our Patreon page. That is at thecolememo.com slash Patreon. Once again, you can find that at thecolememo.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Enjoy the episode. This is The Cole Memo. I am your host, Cole Preston. Every episode is released in audio, video, and transcript format. To find the transcript, audio, or video version of any episode, please refer to the description of the episode that you're listening to now. Within that description, you can find a link that will take you to our website, which will display the transcript for this episode and the platforms where you can find this episode in audio or video formats. If you're unable to locate the episode description on whichever platform you're listening from, Simply note the episode number and visit thecolememo.com. You can find the corresponding episode, and then you'll be able to access the audio, video, and transcript versions of that episode. You might also find any links that we reference during the episode so that you might be able to do your own research. If you're not listening to this episode of The Coal Memo on Patreon, then you're listening to this episode later than our patrons. To become a patron, go to thecolememo.com slash Patreon. Once again, that's thecolememo.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. It's a great way to support our show. One of the best ways to support our show is free. 
Leave us a positive review from wherever you're listening to us from. Favorite this episode, give it a thumbs up, leave a comment, or post a review. Your engagement and support is appreciated. In this episode, I hosted what became a heated debate around Delta-8 and hemp-derived cannabinoids. Enjoy this episode of The Cole Memo. Today, I'm welcoming many faces and names onto the Cole Memo. We're going to start with Richard Park. Richard, why don't you go and go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience of the Cole Memo? Um, sure. Thanks, Cole. My name's uh, Richard Park. I've been working in cannabis since about 1999. Um, I'm one of the owners and, and founder of Dispensary 33 here in Chicago. I was a uh, senior vice president at uh, Cookies. Um, I was chief product development officer at Verano. Uh, for a while. Um, and currently we have a couple of licenses, uh, two craft grow licenses um, and an infuser license and a transporter license um, under the names, you know, Public Square and uh, our transporter license is run by our nonprofit, the South and West Side uh, Coalition for Change. All right. Thank you very much, Richard, for joining us. John Murray, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, John Murray, I'm out of uh, Rockford, Illinois. Uh, I'm I'm a vertically integrated cannabis operator. So we have uh, craft grow, infuser, transport, and a couple of dispensaries, as well as I'm vertically integrated in hemp uh, and have multiple uh, bakeries and different uh, shops uh, that we're opening up around the state. So super excited to be here. Thank you for joining. Uh, Jason Knight, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Thanks, Cole. I appreciate it. My name is Jason. As he said, I am the owner. Uh, a managing member of Jane and Mary's Cannabis Infused Ice Cream. We make cannabis infused ice cream and sorbets. Uh, I've been um, making ice cream since 2008. We've been in the cannabis industry since 2016, uh, starting off in uh, uh, Washington, the state of Washington. Uh, I currently live here in Illinois. And um, because frozen products aren't currently allowed in the um legal side of the cannabis business, we pivoted and uh, we infuse our ice creams with uh, CBD and a hemp derived D9. And uh, we do well. We um, uh, been doing that since May of 2022. Awesome. Jason, thank you for join joining us. Kareem Kenyatta, go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience of the Cole Memo. Oh, cool. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Kareem Kenyatta, partner at uh, Starbuds. I uh, have locations in Burbank and recently opened a location out in Riverside. Um, in addition to that, um, I'm a managing partner at the Majority Minority Group who works with applicants to guide them through the actual cannabis process, the application process, and obviously lend advice on uh, current practical and operational issues now as well. So, Happy to be on and look forward to this discussion. Yeah. And we're having a few folks join us right now. Uh, Rebecca and Mike, we're doing intros. So I'll call you, I'll call on you here in a moment to introduce yourself, say your name and how we can find you online. Uh, next up, we'll have Josh introduce himself. Josh. Hey, everybody. I'm Josh McGinnis with uh, River Bluff CBD. Um, I am one of the owners of the CBD part of our company. We also have a 
vertically integrated uh, cannabis business on the rec side with a dispensary in Roselle and a cultivation coming to Rockford uh, here in the next year. Awesome. Charles Wu, go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience of the Cole Memo. Hey guys. Uh, sorry, I hope this... Hey guys. Hey. So my name is Charles Wu. Uh, I'm the founder and CEO of uh, Nexum. Uh, our retail brand is called Chai Kiva. We got started in 2016 after the 2014. Uh, and oh, pardon? Oh, someone else is saying something. Yeah, we got started in 2016 uh, after the 2014 Farm Bill passed. In 2018, after uh, Delta Hemp products became legalized in Illinois, we applied for and received uh, Delta Hemp Grow and processing licenses in the spring of 2019. And then going into 2020, uh, we applied for and through a variety of partnerships, acquired some uh, cannabis licenses also. Um, today, we operate primarily in what's called the Delta Hemp Space. Um, that's where most of our operations are because of a variety of reasons of things that we uh, like about that. And we've been vigorously pushing for a stronger uh, regulatory and legal structure in the Delta Hemp space in 2021, including age limitations, uh, testing standards, and labeling standards, because we believe that responsible businesses, that those are required uh, for the industry to succeed. Thank you, Charles. Rebecca, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us where you can find where we can find you online. Hey, I'm Rebecca Abraham. I'm a registered nurse. I'm a former critical care nurse, certified cannabis nurse. I am the CEO and founder of Acute on Chronic. We launched in 2020, but we officially were founded in 2019. You can find us at Acute on Chronic, www.acuteonchronic. Um, our socials are Acute on Chronic, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, Instagram is acute on chronic RN420 and TikTok is acute RN. Uh, and that is us. So we help guide patients on what products they should use, at what doses, safety measures. We collaborate with their physicians, finding them the right dose. We have anywhere from a 75% to 90% success rate. Thank you, Rebecca. Mike, how's it going? Welcome to the show. You're on the Cole Memo. Thank you, Cole. It's an honor to be here for your first episode, you know, um, again. Uh, and uh, yeah, so my name is Michael Malcolm. I am the CMO, Chief Marketing Officer of Kronja. I'm also a bulk and wholesale account executive at our uh, distribution, our tier one social equity distribution um, in LA. Um, and we have over 100, and we're in over, I'm sorry, over 170 stores um, across California. Awesome. And last but not least, Akili Parnell, please introduce yourself to the Cole Memo. Hey, Cole. Appreciate that. Um, uh, my name is Akili Parnell. I'm CEO of Umi Farms, a uh, vertically integrated cannabis company in, uh, based in Chicago. We have a Craft Pro license, um, a dispensary license we're going to be opening in Lincoln Park, um, and a transportation license. Um, you've been in the industry for a while. Um, worked at Lantern, worked at GTI for a little bit. Um, yeah, that's it. Thank you so much, Akili, and thank you everybody for joining us tonight. I am going to just read a short introduction, and then I'm going to open up the floor for conversation because that's what that's what's going to make the Cole memo great. 
Over the past few weeks and legislative sessions, the, de the debate around Delta-8 and hemp-derived cannabinoids has heated up almost to a level that you could decarboxylate any sort of cannabis that you wanted. Uh, forgive my lame pun. Uh, but from my perspective, all parties in this debate are making the case that their businesses are at stake and potentially livelihoods. I think that's fair. Uh, I will be guiding today's conversation, as I mentioned before we got on air today. However, I do want to be clear that I'm not playing the role of what you would call a moderator. I want to acknowledge my biases in this conversation. Uh, I will be playing the role of a consumer in this conversation, but I will interject from time to time to keep this conversation structured. So I can say with confidence that the Cole Memo is a place that allows for nuanced discussions for change. So again, as such, I will open the floor for discussion and plan to keep my interjections at a minimum. Before I turn it over to all of you for what is sure to be an intriguing conversation, I want to simply start with a show of hands, presidential debate style. With this issue, I believe there are three areas of thought. Now, if you do not feel you fall into the three areas that I'm about to identify, You'll have the opportunity to make the case in a more nuanced fashion in a bit, because again, that's what makes the Cole memo better than a debate in a television time slot. But here are the three areas of thought, I think, and I'll, I'll have you show your hands in a moment. The first area of thought is Delta-8 and hemp and other hemp-derived cannabinoids should not be allowed at all. I think that's probably the most popular form of thought. The second thought or camp is that Delta-8 or other hemp-derived cannabinoids should only be allowed in dispensaries. And the third form of thought, which has recently come to light in the form of a proposal by LaShawn Ford, is the idea that Delta-8 and other hemp-derived cannabinoids should simply be subject to taxing, testing, labeling, and ID requirements, such as those requirements uh, required under the CRTA. I think those are the three forms of camp again though if you if you disagree i'll let you make the case but just curious by a show of hands who on our virtual stage believes there should be a complete ban on delta a and hemp derived cannabinoids any hands wow no hands i i can't i'm i'm guessing achilles and no um who's in the second camp delta a and other hemp derived cannabinoids should only be allowed in dispensaries No, nobody. Okay, well, I mean, maybe there's a case. Maybe there's a case for another camp. But I'll ask. I'll ask. Lastly, who do you? Who is in the camp that thinks that? These, what's that? This is going to be boring now. I know. I'm like, what? What? Nobody I, disagrees. I don't think it's going to be boring. I, so, I, whole, so, who thinks that people like Charles and and people like Josh and Jason should simply be subject to the same testing standards? like LaShawn Ford's proposal. Yeah, I'm more in that camp, I would say for sure. Yeah, I would say in that camp, but with additional uh, requirements. Okay. What, sure. what, yeah, um, same camp, same camp, same requirements. I think they should be, it should be treated like regular weed. Fair. Um, so, Kareem, you said more requirements. What are you thinking in, in, with regard to that? I mean, yeah, we, without boring everyone with all the application process, zoning issues and everything else that, you know, licensed operators have to go through, um, you know, 
when we think about just the timeline of, of cannabis operators, and, and let's just rewind, you know, Illinois only opened up uh, the cannabis program for medical patients initially, and it was always a very highly regulated industry. Illinois is one of the most highly regulated places in the country. Um, and coming in under the adult use program, you know, the same high regulatory standard was passed along. And it didn't matter if you were social equity, if you didn't have any experience doing this, these were the requirements that the state set forth for anyone who wanted to sell any intoxicating product. And it just so happens that THC obviously is captured in cannabis. And the state decided that in order to regulate cannabis properly, you know, you have to follow all these requirements, which is everyone on this call knows and everyone on the show knows is very expensive. I mean, that's, that's no secret. And so, you know, without getting into debate about how THCA is made or Delta-8, I mean, it, it really boils down to this is a regulatory issue. And in the regulatory world, anyone, it, the only fairness you have is if everyone is treated equally. And the fact that our customers, um, and by our customers, I mean licensed cannabis dispensaries are being poached by, you know, a lot of these vape shops. I mean, it's, it's a real challenge and it's a real threat. And I find it hard to believe. And, you know, I believe everyone on here, uh, Charles, Josh, everyone, you are sophisticated businessmen. They understand this. And John too, sorry. I mean, I exclude you, John or, or Jason. But, you know, I just think, you know, there's a, a place where, you know, you look at a place like Colorado, where there was a decision that, you know, sure, these products exist, but, you know, they're capped at a certain amount and they're regulated so that, you know, regulators can see what is actually being sold in these stores. And I think, you know, if you ask Akili or Mike, you know, no one's saying we understand the plight of entrepreneurs. I mean, we, we understand more than anybody because we've been through it. We've been through it all. Litigation, COVID, you name it. And so, you know, no one's saying, hey, you know, don't pursue your dream. All we're saying is let's make it a level playing field and let's protect the communities that we're selling this stuff in, because that's the whole goal of the CRTA and everything else is to give back to the community and protect those in the community that ingest these products. So I'm sorry, I don't want to take up too much time. So I'll pass that along to whoever you got next call. Thank you. Sure. Well, I guess just because, as I mentioned before the call, you and Charles did inspire this entire conversation. Charles, would you like a opportunity to respond? Sure. Um, in many ways, I agree with uh, you, Kareem. Um, you know, if you go back and, you know, just to correct from a history perspective, in 2020, Rep Morgan uh, introduced something called the CBD Safety Act, which went through a few amendments uh, that going into 2021, had a regulatory structure put in place for uh, hemp-derived cannabinoids that had very strict labeling, testing, and uh, all those sorts of guidelines. And I think the reality is anybody who's a responsible hemp business, um, I don't know everyone on here, but I know John, I know Jason, um, you know, Josh has ever met, but I think I've met one of your partners over at Liberty Bluff. We all agree that these are things that uh, need to be done. Now, uh, in response to certain things in Kareem, while we agree that we definitely need to be regulated, there are certain aspects, and this is due to the fact that marijuana is a Schedule One uh, narcotic, and uh, hemp products are federally legal and subject to interstate commerce. There are just certain things that 
cannabis has to do that we aren't capable of handling because dormant commerce clauses and you know federal supremacy clauses come into play. And those are some of the nuances I feel that create uh, one might say differences of opinion on that side. You know, one of the big challenges is cannabis guys because they're a Schedule One, they have to uh, they they suffer from 280E, and hemp guys because we're federally legal, we don't have to deal with 280E and we can accept accept credit cards. So while I definitely am sympathetic, that is something that's out of the state control. So I'm not sure how to solve for those problems, you know, to level the playing field when the fact is any cannabis person can also do a hemp-derived cannabinoid business. And one of the things that we've been pushing hard is we want opportunity and access to all so that competition and consumer choice um, becomes available. And if you see, you know, just from your guest poll, I mean, I'd say 70% of your hemp companies are also cannabis companies and cannabis companies are also hemp companies. And this is the same, whether they're small social equity people or uh, even identical. Okay. Um, I, John had raised his hand then Rebecca had raised uh, her hand and I see Mike, you're raising your hand. Um, sorry. I just want to be as it's as it's chaotic. So I want to have as much order as we can. John, you want to go ahead? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I uh, obviously closely agree with what uh, uh, Charles' position. Uh, first, to back up, I, I didn't say my, my company's sustainable innovations on the cannabis side and on the hemp side. We're Buckby Weed Company with our bakeries called Baked. Um, so we're going to be opening one in Burbank here. They're supposed to be opening tomorrow, uh, but we're pushing it off till next week to do a last, a few last minute, uh, you know, tweaks to make sure. Again, we want to make sure that that everyone's trained, that yep. that consumers are protected, and as as uh, Charles was mentioning, there's a, and I and I know there's several people on the call as well on this call that actually are responsible. Where we take the time to go through uh, very uh, the, the testing, labeling, uh, similar processes to cannabis wherever it makes sense. And probably everyone agrees cannabis in this state is overregulated, and that's partly because it's still Schedule One. But uh, and you know, and I think we all probably agree that that hemp is underregulated and needs some sort of regulatory guidelines and some certainty on that to be able to grow as a as a scalable business. You know, at some point. So I I, I think there's going to be a lot of valid points here, but at the end of the day. Uh, I, I know that Charles and I and others have been pushing for a long time uh, for various iterations of CBD Safety Act, whether it's Castro, Morgan, you know, now it's LaShawn. So and we've been trying for years to, to get safety, to, to get labeling, to get it even 21, right? We want adult, this should be adults only because I have yeah. kids and I don't want my, you know, 16 year olds, you know, grabbing some of my products accidentally. Right. So I, I think there is a concern here, um, but I, I don't know if the playing field can ever really be leveled because we're dealing with federally legal versus not federally legal. And until that gets resolved on a federal standpoint, I, I'm not sure how to balance everything the way the cream was suggesting. But I, I do think there needs to be some some regulation. And, and I think everyone's willing to come to the table and and make that happen. 
Yeah. Rebecca, then Mike. Yeah. So my answer is a little more nuanced with the kind of bucket of three. Um, Delta eight's a little more unique. Um, I do have un, perhaps on this, on this panel, unpopular opinions. I think hemp derived cannabinoids like HHC and THCO should be banned. Uh, and here's why. So we know plant-based cannabis and hemp is safe on the human body. We have 30,000 studies that show it, and we have thousands of years of human consumption to prove it. When you take something and you make it a synthetic, like most most producers of Delta-8, like HHC for sure, and THC Delta-O, you are creating a very, very, very different molecular structure. It's like going from methanol to alcohol. Um, it's going from opium to fentanyl. Like these are big jumps. And it's like if a pharmaceutical company said like, we have a new Lipitor, we slightly changed the molecular compound. We haven't tested it, but we're pretty sure it works. Trust us. And that's how I feel about HHC. The problem is with synthetics is they behave very, very differently on the human body than your plant-based botanicals do. So from a patient safety point of view, um, I don't believe in full out bans of most things, especially being in the cannabis world. We know that that prohibition fails overall. And HHC and THCO, and THC Delta 10, these are these are products of prohibition. They would not exist if plant cannabis was legal everywhere. Even Delta 8, you didn't have these loopholes in the hemp bill and so much regulation on the cannabis side. Uh, of state regulations, I don't even think we'd have Delta-8. So these molecules were created as a loop around, um, but they have not been tested and tried in the same way plant-based cannabis is. That being said, so with Delta-8, it's a little more nuanced for me because it's in the market. It does technically exist on a very small amount in plant-based cannabis. However, it all depends on who's synthesizing it and with what and how, and that's part of the the thing that scares me. So we try to not recommend Delta-8. However, there are situations and in places where patients don't have access to regulated, you know, cannabis, Delta-9, THC, um, and in which case, if we have to, where there's a benefit of THC, we will substitute in Delta-8, but we need really clear you know, COAs, chemistry, we need to know what your solvent is, we need to know what your combustible is, um, to know what people are injecting into their bodies. I, uh, not injecting, I'm sorry, consuming. I worry even more when we vaporize these things and I could go into it, you know, we have a liver and a GI system to protect us. Um, when we inhale, there's a lot more that could go wrong. Uh, and just to be clear, doctors, healthcare providers, they're still talking about K2 and spice from 2000. Um, they do not know the difference between hemp derived cannabinoids and they do not know the difference between plant-based cannabis. So if somebody comes in with the vaping lung inflammation from THCO, they're assuming all cannabis is bad and they are going to call for this never to be used. So I, I think Proper labeling and proper consumer education is really, 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 really important here. Um, and I feel like that is not transparent to the consumer in any way. 
um, particularly with vape shops and other entities. The consumer doesn't know what's regulated and what's not. All right. After Mike and Jason, I'm going to have Todd and Glenn introduce themselves. And really quick, Mike, before you go, I'm not necessarily asking you to answer this question, but I'm just putting this out there for the group. I've still not heard exactly what's being proposed in response to LaShawn Ford's proposal. So if we could get that clearly stated. Uh, Kareem, I know you mentioned not wanting to get into the mud on it, but I, I want to get in the mud on it. I'm not asking you either, uh, but just all of us have not heard a answer. So Mike, uh, go ahead. Yeah, just I just wanted to say a couple of things. Uh, one, I want to say for full disclosure um, that Charles Wu um, was gracious enough to uh, tour me through his facility in 2021. Um, to this date, uh, that's the only cultivation facility that I've visited in the state of Illinois. I've seen hundreds in all over the country, um, but I but Charles is the only one that I've seen in Illinois, um, any type of cannabis cultivation. So I just wanted to put out, put that out there. Um, but one, um, one thing I would say is that I think where a lot of the anti sentiments coming towards the Delta eight, uh, businesses is just like, um, uh, Kareem and Rebecca has been saying is that I think there's a lot of misinformation out there about the uh, about it being the same thing as a THC uh, product that you would buy from a licensed dispensary. And Nicole and you and I were even having some back and forth about this on social media because um, I, I also teach cannabis marketing and branding for City Colleges of Chicago. I've been teaching for over two years uh, remotely uh, as an adjunct. And um, one thing I am very um, passionate about is uh, not only student education, but uh, customer slash patient safety. And I'm very protective of the patients, uh, just even as Kranja, as, as, a, as the owner of Kranja, you know, we're very, very protective about the products that we uh, put in our, in, our, in our bags and what we sell to the customers. So, you know, I get, very, um, I get very upset sometimes when I go back to Chicago and I see where I'm from. Um, and for those who didn't know, I'm a group born and raised. I've only been out in California for uh, uh, almost two years now. Uh, but when I go home and I see um, CBD, Delta 8 shops um, with the big neon signs, cannabis, you know, um, with the big with the green leaf and everything, um, not only is it taking away from licensed dispensaries that are a disadvantage in the way they can market their businesses on the outside, but I also think it's very dangerous to um to act like that is the exact same product even though um they have some similarities um at their core um and so that's all i want to say uh at the moment is i think that's kind of at least where i think you were a little surprised that everybody wasn't like super like banned uh delta 8 and cbd um or um sorry delta 8 or hemp products um, I think that's where a lot of that comes from. And, and one other thing I would say also is that out here in L.A., around California, you do not see any um, Delta 8 or any um, hemp-based stores because there's so much. If you really can study the plant, I'm sure there's more people on here. I'm not a scientist or I've never grown, so I'm sure there's more people who can speak more eloquently on this than I could. But one thing I will say is that um, I really do believe it's really about the full spectrum experience when you're talking about cannabis. So it's not like, oh, I just want an isolated um, cannabinoid that's going to like, oh, like Delta 8 is the thing, you know, um, the better uh, of a, a well-rounded um, product that you have talking about on the spectrum of cannabinoids, the better. Um, and so that's all I have right now. 
Thank you, Mike. Uh, Jason, and then I would like to have Todd and Glenn introduce themselves. And John, I saw you raise your hand earlier. So if you, uh, and I think I saw you, Josh, as well. So, you know, feel free to jump in after that. Um, Jason. Cool. I, I first wanted to take some time. You know, you led off with three options, Cole. You said um, ban, you know, all the hemp derived cannabinoids or um, regulated. And what was the third one? Uh, or only have it in dispensaries. Or only so, have it in dispensaries. Yeah, so ban yeah. it only in dispensaries or let everybody do it, but be subject to the same testing. Correct. And yeah. so that's that's a starting point that we're operating in from the start of the conversation. But if you, if you take in uh, consumers and the people of Illinois, that spectrum is much broader. You know, there's a lot of people who feel like uh, the, you know, Let's keep it as is. The laws are what they say, right? So I, I definitely support regulation, right? Uh, because the word that John used earlier or someone used it was scalability. You know, as a business owner, um, I'm investing a lot and I'm trying to build my business. And when the laws are set, it allows me to be willing to be compliant and do as told. But when everything is up in the air, it makes it really scary and difficult. But be, that's my personal perspective. But, but there are a lot of people who are not for the regulation of the plant, right? Because A, we don't necessarily always trust the government and that the government has our best interests in mind. But B, you know, we have a, uh, a very deep relationship with the plant and sometimes the state can get in the way. So some people are not for uh, regulation, okay? Um, I personally feel like another thing that Cream said earlier, um, he said that our customers are our dispensary owners or the people who own dispensaries. And, you know, from a, from a person who's making a product, you know, my customer is directly the consumer, the person. So what's best for people is access. Uh, people need to have access to this plant and they need to have choice. There are a lot of different benefits. I agree with literally everything you guys said uh, uh, as far as, you know, the, the pros and cons of synthetics and all of this stuff. But you know what the market determines. When I first started off, I started off using a Delta A product, um, and through 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 a year, I realized that uh, I, the hemp derived D nine was just a, a a a better oil. First of all, D eight and D you know just D eights aren't the same. You can get one batch of D eight is you know the it's, it's the same thing with THC in the different strains. So with the D nine, I use a premium D nine oil that I love. Uh, and it's even better than some of the uh, pure THC distillate that I've used in the past in Seattle in dispensaries. So uh, the market really can determine everything. But, you know, just to make my uh, point clear, I really want my business to thrive in Illinois. I'm definitely up for regulation so I can be compliant. Um, you know, uh, I'm really disappointed in the scare tactics that the media takes by, um, you know, really showing, you know, the worst of the products and, you know, people going to the hospital and things like that. I, I strongly feel that's a, not it's an issue, but it's not as big of it as it does when it's when it comes across on the evening news. Uh, so, um, you know, I also my business is also located in Minnesota, and they have very clear regulations, and it is easy to scale in Minnesota. So, uh, I definitely appreciate Charles and um, and a group for pushing for regulation. Uh, but we got to understand, too, that everything we're doing right now is 
legal. And I really love the hemp process. I really love, uh, there's a lot of things that the, um, the, the you know, the, uh, the licensed uh, uh, market here, you know, in Illinois have done well. And there's a lot of things that we can critique, you know, but me being an African-American man, really trying to pursue a business, creating a great edible, a great product, and still having a hard time to get in uh, because they got to operate around the state. It's really tough. So uh, I'm looking to, I'm looking to be compliant. I'm looking to do it the right way. And I'm looking to do what's best for the customer. And everybody I know is doing the same thing. Yeah. So as promised, I want to give Todd and Glenn a chance to introduce themselves. But again, I want to just put back out there that I don't feel I've gotten an answer on, on what, what is the middle ground um, is the middle ground that you have to be licensed under the CRTA head shake or thumbs up, thumbs down. Is that the, is that what you're saying? Um, well, you know, I think Rebecca hit it on the head. I mean, when we talk about the natural process versus the synthetic process, you know, I think that's where, despite all the misinformation that's out there, I think we can all agree on that. And I think the okay. point is, if you have hemp in its natural state, the same way you have cannabis in its natural state, because history has shown us when we synthetically modify any drug, look at what happens. Let's take the cocoa leaf. Aztecs yeah. used it for medicinal purposes. And guess what? Get synthetically altered, shifted it to cocaine, get synthetically altered again, shifted it to crack. And everyone on this this show knows the impact both cocaine and crack, especially crack, has had on communities of color. And so I just think when we look at a standard and you talk about, Cole, how we need to regulate this, is let's regulate the plants in their natural state because we already have regulation for THC products. So that'd be my point. I, I, I would say that's that's a brilliant, you know, analogy. The challenge Todd, can is- Can you introduce yourself too, please? I'm sorry. I, I will, I will. Oh, um, sure. just, um, brilliant analogy, Kareem. Challenges the, the people who got criminalized and that are the people who are black, brown, and underrepresented. So uh, it doesn't matter if it's synthetic or natural, the, the same people get criminalized. So um, with that being said, I'm Todd Harris. I'm the founder and CEO of Plift. I'm the co-founder and chief growth officer of Perfectly Dose, which does which provides water-soluble, food-safe, hemp-derived cannabinoids for products. Um, I'll just start by saying, I, to answer your question spot on, Cole, I think there is a, a, a model where, um, yes, responsible hemp operator, operators would love to be regulated in a, in a meaningful manner. The challenge is, is that the, the MedRec licensed market has decided to over-regulate themselves to become, a, to become something. And now they're punishing hemp operators for, for their choice of over-regulation. Um, I am in full support of what Jason said. You know, as a black man who tried to launch his beverage business in the licensed market, um, the same operators, the same corporate cannabis companies, the same people who promise everyone on this call equity, funny how they get to promise what's equitable. Uh, they said that they couldn't find black um, cannabis brands to support and help incubate. When asked, well, hey, come come back to us with when you have some sales. They said, come back to us when you have sales. It's like, well, how do we how do you expect us to get sales when you own the grow, you own the processing, and you own the retail? I have to kiss your ass to get on your shelves. That is not equitable. And by nature, that is not accessible. A, li a limited licensure in any business doesn't provide accessibility. It provides those who have the most money and the most capital 
to move the 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 industry into their favor. And so an analogy that I've I always share is if you and I, Kareem, both wanted to open a restaurant and you applied for a liquor license and they granted you a liquor license, fantastic. You got your liquor license. If I wanted to open a competing restaurant across the street, you wouldn't have the ability to dictate whether or not I got a liquor license. But in this marketplace that we're seeing play out right now in Illinois and several other states, we are seeing those who have the federally illegal position looking to limit and tamp down on those who have the federally legal position on what they can do. And that's simply unconstitutional and not fair. So to answer your question, Cole, the two, to, the two products can definitely coexist. How does that look in my mind? To use what Jason said, we're licensed or we're operating in Minnesota. We've applied for a manufacturer's license there for hemp-derived cannabinoids. There is a space where low-potency hemp-derived cannabinoids from um, low-potency THC from hemp-derived consumables should be readily available and sold anywhere where 21 and up products are sold. I mean, liquor stores in Minnesota, Glenn's standing in one right now. Liquor stores in Minnesota, where we just did a sampling. Liquor stores in Minnesota and places that ID by nature, they are the best suited to check for um, the safety, the compliance of who the, who the consumer is, this, that, and the other. So why would we not allow them to participate? And then if there's a need for higher potency products, i.e. dabs, rosins, higher potency gummies, liquids, all flour, all those other things, that's a perfect place for dispensary. It's no different than liquor stores. It's, you know, and how, you know, in, in Texas, there's a beer store and there's a liquor store. One sells beer, one sells, one sells liquor. And so there's an opportunity for all of us. That's actually a live look at a cooler with low potency hemp dried beverages in Minnesota. And so and take a look at what else is everywhere. Alcohol. These people know how to sell things safely and to suggest so, otherwise would be an insult to them. Todd, I don't mean... I, I want to, I just, I want to give you the opportunity to wrap up and I want to give Kareem since he directly called, you know, said his name. I want to give him a chance to respond. And I apologize to others that I had given the affirmative to go after. No, I just, I, and, and I mean, I, I, I'm a firm believer that there is a place and space for both. I think that, you know, as a black man in this industry, who's, who's triple testing my products, who's making sure we're safe every long, every step of the way, who's using hemp-derived cannabinoids with a food-safe extraction and emulsification process, that it can surely be done safely. And, and the, the part that, that the marijuana industry doesn't love to talk about is the way you extract THC from marijuana and THC from hemp is the exact same process. It has to be turned into an oil in order for it to be infused and to turn into an emulsion to infuse into a product. And so how can how can you extract marijuana, you know, THC from marijuana safely, but you can't do it from hemp? Here's I, what I go ahead. Go ahead, Glenn. Uh, I was just going to say that, you know, and I'm going to share a variance by the Illinois Department of Agriculture. This is something that happens in all states, but Illinois is one of them. You can use hemp derived can cannabis to make Delta nine, Delta eight or THCO. Oh, sorry. No, those are the ones that you cannot do. Um, you can, however, um, sorry, I'm looking for this right now. You can use hemp and hemp derivatives in your infused products. 
So I just wanted to say that the first place I ever tried a Delta 8 product was in an Illinois dispensary in 2019. Was yeah, it, um, I think we were the only ones who were selling it at the time. Can I uh, it was just a grass in, introduce myself product. real quick? Sure, well, go ahead, Glenn. Glenn, Glenn. Let me just wrap up and say one more thing about that because I, I know of you'll course. probably touch it. But it's also interesting that hemp um, legal licensed operators like CAN also sell hemp-derived THC products in Minnesota. So I just don't understand. You know, they're, they're obviously backed by GTI. They, 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 have a, they have a stake in both these industries. How is it, you know, why would they be selling non-safe products or, or, or products that are non-compliant? Like, I, I don't understand that. So that's, that's well, something that's really happening. So, so go ahead, Glenn. Sorry about that. Yeah, I just want to introduce myself and say that, you know, my name is Glenn McElfresh. I'm one of the co-founders of Clift along with Todd, and I'm one of the co-founders of Perfectly Dosed also along with Todd. And, you know, I think that what this really is about is, you know, taking an opportunity to let everyone benefit from an, uh, a business and a community that has a business opportunity and a community building opportunity that has historically been uh, pushed to the fringes and limited to people with significant amounts of capital. And, and hemp represents the opportunity to lift people up. And we got to do that safely. Uh, obviously, I agree with folks like Charles and John, people who, you know, I look at as, you know, mentors and trailblazers in this industry. And, you know, we have this opportunity to create a new industry and really just build off of the successes and failures that the current licensed cannabis model has had, right? I don't think that it's safe or it's fair to say that it's all terrible, but there's a lot of opportunities to improve. So, you know, Minnesota with its a low dose hemp edible product market is an amazing, amazing opportunity that also has its challenges, right? And I think Illinois has this opportunity to just build off of that, taking Minnesota and other states as a model and turning this into something that can really help the state, help communities and help people, you know, reach whatever goals that they have. So, you know, I, I really obviously support everything that Todd said and just think that, you know, we should not ban these products like we know prohibition doesn't work and we need to just implement sensible regulation that is obviously not regulatory capture you know coming through the guy coming as a guise of public safety like i think we all can agree that that's you know just media spin so kareem i'd get i told you to respond and then mike malcolm uh please go next uh, kareem i know a lot was just thrown at you so take your time uh yeah, I mean, I'll be, I'll be quick. I mean, I think it's perfect that we're talking about liquor stores because the reason, to my understanding, the 1,500 feet, you know, the separation between dispensaries was in place is because members of the Black and Brown Caucus said they didn't want things like liquor stores popping up all over their communities because what do they do? They take away from the community and don't give back. You know, what I will say about legal operators under the Canvas Regulation and Tax Act, we have something called the R3 program. And that program streamlines grants that go directly to areas that have been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. And, you know, since I've been around and in Springfield, there are not too many statutes I've seen that actually address things like the war on drugs and the impact that it's had on so many of our communities. And, you know, I think, what is this, 2023? I mean, 
race is still a key issue, more of an issue than anyone in my generation or others thought it would be at this point. Still an issue, but really the importance of this, guys, is safety and regulation. You know, we can argue all day as entrepreneurs about what the best regulations are for us to make the most profit. But as long as Rebecca and people like Alderman Hopkins are hearing from folks in their community, look, everybody on this show today may be the best operators in the business. But what about the bad operators? What about the operators that, as you saw in Chicago tonight, are selling bags that look like Skittles to kids that walk into stores? Now, if you're asking me if I would regulation, high regulation or banning of those products, those products should be banned. There should not be anything that's marketed towards kids that in any way implies. I mean, if you're an adult and you decide to take whatever you take, that's your business. But whenever you as an entrepreneur and as an operator are marketing a product that's centered towards kids under the guise of a storefront, that's when we're crossing the line. And I don't think, you know, People can blame the big, bad cannabis industry all they want, but I'll be honest with you. This issue is uniting the adult use operators and the medical operators more than anything I've seen. If we haven't been united on, on much, but on this, I can tell you, we speak as one with the industry. And I think, you know, Rebecca would agree that most healthcare professionals feel the same. So I know that's not responding to everything, but and others want to talk, so I'll let others jump in. Charles, you're, I don't think Charles is meaning to talk, so I'm muting him. Um, Charles, were you meaning to talk? Charles? Hey, sorry, about, sorry about that. I pressed the wrong thing. I apologize. Okay. Mike, go ahead. Cole, I just want to say something really, really fast. I really want to give my time to Richard. I saw his hands been up for a while. And um, full Thank disclosure, you. again, uh, Richard is the reason why our brand, Kranja, is the first independent brand in Illinois dispensaries. Uh, Richard was with D33 and brought our uh, accessories, our uh, Kranja rolling trays into there. And they're still currently in both D33 dispensaries um, since July of 2017. So I just wanted to um, acknowledge Richard the Great, you know what I'm saying, on the phone, on, on here with him. And just say really briefly um, that um, the gentleman that showed the shelf with the um, drinks on there, again, I got triggered. Uh, again, it's one of those things, I think it's a great example of what I'm talking about as someone that um, is in the industry um, selling between 12 and 1500 pounds a month and in, uh, in bulk and having to deal with like all the complexities of the market is that I think that again, it's a misrepresentation of what those products actually are. And it plays on the ignorance of the consumer. But because when they see that they don't, it doesn't say that it's hemp derived THC. It doesn't say it doesn't give you really any information. And in if you even if you go yes, into a dispensary, well, I'm talking about what I just saw. Yeah, um, but you, you but that's that's fundamentally okay. not true. I, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you. Yeah, that's, that's definitely I'm, not I'm true. just talking. About, I'm talking about what. Let me finish. Go ahead and let Mike. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll let you. I'll let you finish as as you showed it. I'm and I'm only responding to what you just showed on screen. I looked very carefully at it, and what it says is THC seltzers. That's what it says in black and white. And so again, I'm not That's talking not about anything lie. else. Well, again, it does not specify that it is That's a hemp-derived product, right. at least on the right. paper. At least on the paper, let me finish. No, you don't have to stop me. No, 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 no. You cannot stop me. There is no stopping me. Let Mike finish real quick, please. 
with the misinformation. Yeah. You're, you're yeah, you should, let, you should let Mike finish, man. That's, that's yeah, you should really let, yeah, you should really let me finish because sorry, Todd, uh, you can go again, right. I really want to, I really want to get my time to Richard because Richard has been doing this longer than probably most people on this uh, call, if I was going to be honest with you. But um, I just want to say again, I think that when people like me uh, get upset about what we see, it's because we feel like hemp operators are riding the coattails of licensed operators and they use thing flashy words like thc seltzers to fool people who don't fully understand the legal the legalities of the markets that they're in whatever state that they're in and that's all i gotta say todd we'll get back to that i want richard i promise you we'll get back to that uh because well, I, mean, I richard you know, as to what mike was saying i think a better way or at least the way i look at at the issue is is kind of in in three different ways number one how does it affect the consumer Number two, how does it affect uh, society at large, right? Uh, the community, and and number three, how does it affect the industry, right? When we look at it in that way, I think to what Mike Mike is speaking of, there are good operators, there are bad operators, there are, there are good states with decent laws, and there are states um, with with poor laws. And I think one of the biggest issues is we're not we're not dividing this in terms of the cannabinoids. We're dividing this in terms of how we derive the cannabinoids, right? Is it hemp or is it cannabis? It really it really doesn't matter in my opinion, without the, with, with the exception of things like THCO, which, which is a, which is a synthate, right? So it's, it's, it's not actually extracted from the plant, right? And so I don't tend to look at this as cannabis or, or hemp. I tend to look at this as Delta-8, which I believe is therapeutic, uh, CBD, which I believe is therapeutic, right? Uh, Delta-9, which, which I believe is therapeutic, um, besides their intoxicating effects. It's obvious how it affects our industry, right? Uh, diluting the license is not good for current license holders. Right. Um, allowing other stores to um, and at least some will do this. Some have already have uh, kind of portray themselves as dispensaries. Right. Is not good for our industry. Um, but but CBD is good for the industry. Um, hemp derived CBD is very good uh, uh, for the industry. The, 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 the kind of discrepancy between federal and local law is, is a big problem. I think everybody can agree on that. Right. And, and I think what Mike and, and um, Todd were talking about is, is essentially how does it affect the consumer? Right, uh, which is the other aspect I look at. We we can debate about that, right? Right, like so. The three options that you gave, uh, I couldn't really pick any of them, because I I do want uh, strenuous regulation. Regulation is what prevents or what creates safety in in the marketplace. Right, uh, when we didn't regulate alcohol, look at all the problems. Right, and, and I would I would still say liquor stores present far more problems than dispensaries ever have. Right, and we have empirical evidence on stuff like that. Right, and, and, and so. I think we can agree on what's good for the consumer, which is a safe product, right? I don't think most uh, Delta-8 CBD guys are advocating things like THCO, Delta-8 THCO, um, things like that. Um, but Dispensary 33, we've been selling, you know, we, we, we sold CBD since, or I mean, I'm sorry, Delta-8, maybe 2016, 2017. It's an extraction, right? That's all it is. Um, it, it's an extraction, right? I, I think what we're really debating here is how does it affect the industry? I, I, I think we can... We can argue back and forth on what's good for the consumer, but if it's regulated, it'll be good for the consumer, right? It'll be safe at least if, if it's heavily regulated, right? And and for the industry, one thing that you know you look at more states like Colorado, no moratorium on licenses outside of local municipalities, right? Uh, you you have a dilution in in what happened in the market. When did this big money even get into cannabis? Not until Illinois came online. The the strict regulations allowed for legitimate semi-legitimate or you know how the federal government looks at it financial institutions to invest in this industry right and and that's when we get 
not only uh, this huge boom that burst across the East Coast, but then all the problems that come with, with corporations who are naturally designed to try to monopolize their industries, right? It's the government's job to make sure they can't do that, right? But it's, it's the business's natural inclination to, to, to attempt that, right? Um, and what we're seeing here is a lower barrier of entry for a newer industry, at least in the Delta-8, Delta-9 space, right? CBD, um, it, again, I consider that a, a, a different... Um, a, a different issue altogether, and I'm and I'm a huge supporter of CBD, right? Um, but anyway, I, I don't want to take up all the time. I just think if we if we look at it in terms of those, we may find that we're on either side of the debate in any one of those three categories, right? Um, and and what we have is 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 a natural um, natural resistance to the dilution of our licenses, right? If you want to talk about what's good for social equity, uh, right now, if you have a dispensary, no matter how you got it, um, you're going to do great. You're just gonna, right? Um, we're gonna do both to a tremendous degree, right? A dispensary, um, watch the dispensaries. Well, the, the growers, the craft growers are having much more difficulty, right? I, I have tons of experience in this part of it, but dispensaries, once they get funded, will get open, and 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 those are that's life changing money, man. Real talk, right? That's just life changing money, and and we're, we're trying to protect those individuals too. From having a, I had three dispensaries in Colorado, right? They're, they're I, I can't even compare them in 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 value, right? Monetary value to to one dispensary thirty three. I can't. It's not even close, right? Um, and and there's a lot of license holders, social equity holders, true social equity holders. I'm sure there's some charlatans out there, right? Um, that are going to be harmed by Delta Eight operating as it currently does, right? Um, and and that 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 was just that was just my point. Let's let's separate hemp and cannabis. They're the same plant, right? They're the same plant. They're they're grown to produce different things over a long period of time, right? And then what's good for the community and and what's good for the consumer, right? If we look at it like that, I think we're going to find lots of common ground. You know, I, I think if we look at it from the community standpoint, I think that's one of the strong suits of the hemp, uh, the, the delta eight you know, uh, operators and retailers, because there's the, the, the limited licenses are all being really, really placed in a very concentrated area. And so you have these large vats of dispensary deserts where there's just no access whatsoever. I mean, none. Sure, but you got like a hundred and, 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 so, so, and you're going to have 500 open soon. Well, oh, okay. Soon as, as far as when. I know we, we've gone and addressed some of those dispensary deserts. We have the social equity and economic diversity, we call them seeds, where we're planting these in, in areas that are just, you know, really need attention. And we've, we've actually seen that seed grow. It's actually producing life. I mean, right down uh, on the, the south part of uh, Rockford, we've, we've seen a, a street quarter, uh, Maine and Morgan, that was historically just i mean you want to go there even during the day save night and now you've got all kinds of life there's we, we put a a, a a retail uh hemp store there and now there, there's life in that area other stores on both sides of the street are opening up i mean barber shops tax uh they're they're beautiful the city is actually throwing money in there fixing the streets painting the murals on the on the buildings etc all from that little hemp store Right. And, and cannabis isn't going to touch there. Uh, there's all of the cannabis stores, save one in in Rockford, in, in our entire uh, BLS area, 
are all conjugated along the same road in the same narrow corridor, right? I mean, it's serving, it's convenient for, you know, well, I mean, one one hundredth of the population here. And so it's I not would, the population I would, I would, that was impacted by the failed war on drugs either. It's, but I would, I would, all, it, I would agree know, with you that dispensaries shouldn't open where they're opening in the West Loop in these highly affluent areas. Uh, we're, we only look on the West and the South side for locations, right? So I, I agree with you there. They're not opening in the right places to create the impact that they need to, right? But they're balancing that against a business decision to be successful in their first year and whatnot. And and I wish there were more that decided to go into bad communities because there's a business case to be made for that. Richard, right? you, uh, what are considered they like lower They don't income. go into those communities, Richard, because the, the price to actually access the product inside boxes people on the outside out. So there's no money in in the black community, and that's part of the challenge here. And I'm gonna address I'm gonna address Mike's uh, Mike's false statement about packaging and labeling. We have to call out in Minnesota that these are hemp derived cannabinoids. And so for for Mike for you to say that in front of this group of people, that's demonstrably false. And that's part of the problem that this industry is facing is that there's 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 a false narrative that's being created about what we do and don't do. We would love to have to call out that it's hemp-derived THC. We can all agree THC is actually THC, even though we've been I, I told think that he meant that the retailer wasn't calling it out. Yeah, not, yeah, not Todd, the, yeah, Todd, do you want to show that video? You, I'm assuming, showed that video. Do you want to show no, it again? Glenn, Glenn showed the video. He was walking the store. We're, but but, the, but can, wanna, do you want to show it again? I, well, here, can I just say that I... Just give me a second. I, am I correct? And yeah, let's see it. Uh, but Mike, what well, you're pointing Mike, out is there was a big white sign that said but it, but, but, cannabis. But your point, well, Todd, your point, Todd, is on the can. It says hemp derived out. cannabis. And as far and as far as that store is right. operating right now, it is compliant. Now there are things that will likely change in the future around what they're going. They have to apply for a, a, a hemp retailer's license and all these other things. But but we're all compliant as the law is written. And so that's the thing is, you, you know, you can't get mad and you can't knock and you can't say that it's false and this, that and the other if we're compliant as it pertains to the, the, the way the laws are written. And I don't yeah, think there's and, any and, cannabis and, language. I'm sorry. Can, no, I'm yeah, can you let say Mike see. Yeah. Say yeah, what you're saying. Like yeah. And so all, what Glenn is showing that's right now, wrong. it says, it says THC seltzers. Okay. So this is, again, my point. And I think this is a, this is a great, uh, great opportunity to make it is that um, I think, again, one of the issues when you come to guys that uh, are on the license side, I mean, license, uh, licensed cannabis operators, the issues what we have with the hemp operators is that, again, it's not always about uh, always about compliance, but also you have a responsibility to your customers, to your consumers, to help them through this process because all of this stuff is new to them, and that's the yeah. point. Yeah, maybe, and and maybe that's what's going to set apart uh, brands that succeed. I believe I, I teach this in my class at Life. The mo the best way to uh, to earn and retain your customer is to educate them, right? And so that's just the model that I go by, and I think that's an issue that a lot of licensed operators have is that we feel like you guys don't really care about the culture of cannabis and don't really care about necessarily um you it's not it's it's, it's a non moral thing. It's like I'm gonna just again just put up a THC seltzer. Uh, uh, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's that's a story that you guys are telling that's not true. A lot of us in this industry well, it does say, it does say huge, THC on, are huge advocates of the actual plant. We, it we, is THC. Yeah, we could, that is show him the can. Show him the, it says hemp derived on the can. Is my yes, this one says cannabis, which is also true. It says hemp. Where do we go? It says cannabis. 
We got cannabis. We got THC, sparkling water. But Mike, your point, think... your point is, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna. Well, I, I guess what I was gonna yeah. say is, it's just well, like right it doesn't there. matter. Look, mm-hmm. there's hemp derived. Like I think the whole point here, though, is that the consumer one doesn't care, and I think that's a story. That's that I, I don't. In... I don't think you have any proof of that. Well, I, I don't, don't think you have any proof that, that the, the other is true. Well, no, I, I mean, I do because we sold a bunch of There's not a bud tender standing there to answer questions, right? Like, the, even if the, the product is made with integrity, the retailer may be predatory. And, and mm-hmm. I think, and I don't mean to speak for you, Mike. Yeah, that's, I'm saying, like, I, I know it's 100 correct. Hold on, Richard, I want to ask you a specific question around yeah. some of these maps. Do you sure. think the MSOs are engaging in um, predatory and monopolistic behavior right now? Uh, on the wholesale level, yeah, you could you could categorize it that way. Okay, so 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 like let's let's remove. So, this but I'm saying both are wrong. Let's One being wrong doesn't make the other okay. Yeah, but I'm not saying that, but let's remove this holier than thou that one is doing it right or one side's doing it right and the other's doing it wrong. We, we again, I have found in Minnesota and other places that we're operating that the overarching majority of the people who are engaging in hemp-derived THC products and low-potency THC products are doing all the same types of things around education and testing that, 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 that the licensed operators are doing. Right. I, I would so, argue that maybe in Minnesota, but in Illinois, only the best operators operate that way. Well, but that's okay. Right. Like, we want to be part of the best, but but we don't we, like we want to be part of the best, and we're okay with regulation. But you shouldn't be trying to regulate and eradicate people's businesses because you don't like the fact that they're doing they're bringing a product to the market that the consumers want. No, Lots of by, by 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 that argument, um, all all the all the street tribes should be able to sell too. I mean, you're not going to, but that's the, thing, the regulation is not going to stop them from selling. But I'm saying like, we, yeah. we, should, we, should, we shouldn't, we shouldn't attempt to regulate that or, or eliminate that, which is what we're doing by creating a legal market, right? Okay. Those, those kinds so of things. And, like and I'm not talking about, I'm not saying that the access is fair, right? <laughs> and, and I'm not saying that the barrier to entry is, is not high, right? But like I said, I look at it in, in those three categories. Is it good for the consumer? Is it good for society? Is it good for the industry? And it's a harm. It's a risk to the industry at the very least. Responsibly produced hemp-derived cannabinoids have been proven to be good for the consumer. So I mean, health-wise. Once for all that everyone's missing, and I, I think this is what the, the real battle comes down to. And I think uh, somebody else on the panel said it. It's not necessarily anybody in this call. It is the people who might take advantage of these loopholes in a predatory way and not educate the consumer. And I have met these people in various states and they are more than happy to do it. So there's a there's a loophole here and this is why regulation and education is so important. There are two kinds of hemp-derived Delta-9, two. There is the natural plant one where you're just extracting the THC. And yes, it is the same in the regulated cannabis, THC, Delta-9, that you get from what formerly was known as marijuana, but it's all still cannabis. And then the THC Delta-9 that comes from the hemp plant. That's it's just- still known as marijuana, Rebecca. Let's, let's be perfectly clear. It's still known that's, as marijuana. That's exact. It's, it, you're right. It's the same, same cannabinoid at different levels in the plant. The dangerous part when we're just labeling everything THC Delta 9 without regulations, ingredients, extraction methodology, so on and so forth, the folks creating Delta 9 from CBD by tossing a very, very uh, combustible solvent in there and creating THC Delta 9 that is where it gets dangerous. It's a synthetic. We do not know 
the pharmacology at all for that on the human body. Not at all. It is. You understand how hydrocarbon extractions work, right? I think you're talking about THCO, which which is which is totally. So there are there are some hemp companies. So I have no problem again with THC extracted looping around the farm bill, dry weight versus whole weight. No issue. It is the same cannabinoid. We know that. I have an issue with the producers and there are people doing this with, and that's when exactly, that's when they're calling it Delta 9, but it's exactly THCO, but they're calling it Delta 9. And that is so different and so dangerous. And sure, the consumer can do what they want, but you have to educate them on it, right? You have to say like, hey, this is a very different substance and synthetic that's very far from the cannabis plant. And so I'm not saying anybody on this call is doing it, but we don't want to leave that door open for the people who are more than happy to do that. And they exist and their, their excuse is like, I didn't make, I didn't make the market. I'm just being a business person and like people can do what they want, but it's, it's like an intentional, it's a deliberate thing that people are doing with THCO calling it Delta nine and derived. And it's, so what's what's the answer though? How do we give Todd and Jason and Charles the ability to follow the rules that we all think? I think we're agreeing that like on some of these things, like especially the products marketed towards children, like no, you know, I think we all agree that that's absurd and that shouldn't be okay. Um, but like how? What is the answer here? Because I think we're circling around. Kind of, you know, Richard mentioned it earlier. Richard, you said something to the effect, and feel free to correct me if, I, if I'm wrong, if I say what you said wrong, but you said something to the effect of this is this, you know, can hurt the licensed participants. And that sounds like an endorsement of the limited license market because you were talking about how the value of the license can stay, you know, at a level that's valuable, right? We've learned I, I from other states. Say- what the solution is uh, governmentally because the issue is is the discrepancy between federal and but and do we let like todd for example get a license and start selling plift in illinois like well, so that's what i'm saying if, if you can't go through a, a legal license holder right if i if i had my brothers it would be do that with all your cbd products why would you do it with delta 8 it's much cheaper for us to produce delta 8 delta 8 is already regulated it's psychoactive right delta 9 products um should be and are should be currently regulated the definition of of just including cannabis in the crta needs to be needs to be changed right it needs to include specific but, cannabinoids but and as part, far as cbd goes man i would love to buy your cbd i don't want to grow a hundred acres of hemp i want high quality um, um cbd that i know was was extracted the right way I, I got some very good friends in kentucky who are who, who are who are in this industry and i think cbd doesn't make sense on the licensed end Right, I can show you a spreadsheet. Why, why, why? It why? doesn't make sense for the CBD businesses either. <laughs> yeah, why, why, why force, why force an, a business like us who is allowed to bank and do other things into a place where we're unbankable just because it, to to protect one man's quote unquote license? No, like, not, not to protect one man. It's all. Can it's I just add? Uh, yeah. if we regulate Delta Nine THC. Delta eight THC, Delta ten THC, eleven hydroxy THC. But I don't think I don't think anyone, I don't think at, I don't think at one point I said there shouldn't be any level of regulation. There should there should be a level of regulation on those on those compounds. But what I'm saying is to try to force them into the same box as the licensed market that doesn't make sense. That that that, no, that, so that I, I don't want to force them into the same box as the licensed market. market. I would like the business to be separated by cannabinoid, not by plant, not yeah, by what by which it was derived. 
but but you're saying then then it should only be sold in a dispensary. But I I disagree with that. No, 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 I wasn't saying it should only be sold in a dispensary. I think CBD oh. should be sold anywhere CBD can be sold. Yeah, but I you're saying you're saying eight, my product, nine, my I think that's, product Cliff should be well, sold. Richard, Sorry. Right? What I'm no, saying is the psychoactive cannabinoids, the intent of the law was to regulate the drug part of it. So, right? so here's the question for you. And, and so I'm out of practicality. In a perfect world, I would rewrite it differently. But out of practicality, what I would say is that the regulation, if it would simply change the definition of cannabis, right, as so, it stands in the CRTA, to breaking down the cannabinoids that are to be regulated by CRTA, here's the, here's the other on. ones, here's that, the that's, that's on what that, I'm saying I would vote for. Yeah, but here's the push on that, Richard. Liquor stores and good, bad, or indifferent. We're not going to argue whether or not liquor stores are good. We, I think, we can all agree that alcohol is bad, right? Mm -hmm. That being said, uh, 7 Eleven can still sell Bud Light, as can a liquor store. So, so you're essentially sure. saying to me that so 7 Eleven should be my able ability, to, sell my ability to sell my Bud Light, just like a dispensary. Store. Yeah, but 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 a dispensary is a liquor store in this in this model. A no, dispensary. no, right. So I'm saying, so so I'm saying, if you guys uh, want to sell in 7-Eleven, CBD should be allowed to be sold in 7-Eleven. But yeah, but, but we're, like we're, we're, products we're should be sold in We're M Drive THC. We're Delta Nine THC. So, but I'm mm -hmm. saying, like, in this model that you're suggesting, that the mm -hmm. 7-Eleven should no longer be able to sell his Bud Light, even though he makes money on it and he sells Bud Light, because only dispensers should sell it. That's what you're essentially saying. Is that is that a fair? No, I'm saying, like, in Colorado uh, on a Sunday when you go into 7-Eleven, you can't you can get a Bud Light, but it's a 3.2. It's half alcohol. Right. All I'm saying, I think CBD should be sold as broadly as 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 you can, as any nutraceutical, as any herbal. But I think the psychoactive portions of cannabis should be regulated. Right. And we have a framework for that in Illinois. Now, if I but could draw the regulation, does, regulation, I would regulation, regulation does not mean limited access. Regulation means it's properly tested. It abides by a set of rules, but it doesn't mean it has to be funneled through one set of retailers. And that's when accessibility gets choked off. If we go back. If we, go back to, if we go back to John's point of in, in Rockford, a black community doesn't have a dispensary within a stone's throw. Right. So you're no, choking that's a, accessibility. That's a no, fair within point. a 20-minute drive. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a super for, fair point, and I'm, and I'm not arguing that. But the thing is, limited licensing is necessary, inherently going to limit the market. And limited licensing is better for the industry. Right. I don't know if it's better for the community that has yet to be seen. I don't yeah, know if it's better it, for society it, that has it's yet to be seen. Better for the it's better for the license industry. It's not better oh, for right. the but then but, but look at look at gross sales. Look at gross sales and license versus limited license. Right? Look at the look at the instances of of, of violation in in limited license versus unlicensed. When you want to compare it, no, you can't compare it to Minnesota. I have to compare it to New York, you have to compare it to Philadelphia or Pennsylvania, Ohio, Florida. Right. I completely agree with what you're saying on how sales should track versus license, open licensures, open markets versus limited licenses. But the reality of it is, is anything that's marijuana license related is going to limit access. And so you're never going to see what the free market would do. And that's honestly what the, the, the licensed cannabis operators don't want. They don't want the people to be able to choose. They want to make and the choices. I think the free market. Uh, yeah, is I would disagree with that. Yeah, but on the federal level, it's going to follow alcohol. I, I promise, it's going to get broken up into regions. Right, those regions are going to are, are going to um, um, the vertical integration is going to be chopped up, right, so that Budweiser can't control everything. But they're going to have limited, uh, limited. I'm sorry, they're going to have monopolized distribution channels, just like alcohol. The federal government don't make new stuff up, right? They they go based on stuff that uh, stuff that they've seen. And, and all I'm saying is from a practical standpoint, if I could redraw it from square one, it would be way more equitable. It would be way more accessible. But but that's not the reality I live in. 
right? I live in a limited license state. Those limited license states are outperforming the non-limited license states in 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 in, in lots of different metrics. And so I'm, I'm not saying hemp extraction. In terms of corruption, because that's definitely no. true. Well, oh man, that's well, like Richard, if I can add on to your that's point. Beside yeah. the point, bro. Like uh, but there's it's not in every state. There's corruption in Illinois in particular. No one's denying that, man. But I can't snap my fingers and make that go away. No, nobody here can. Not that I know of. If you can't, please do. It would make all of our lives so much easier. It would be called a, a hemp a hemp program that allows an unlimited number of businesses to start a business. But Green. that is so really what with that. If you want to argue, if you want to argue whether or not the licenses should be limited or not, that's a completely different argument, in my opinion. But it, right? it does sound there uh, yeah. to be said for both. Yes. And, we're, and we're not taking into account the state as well. To Richard's point, limited licensing yeah. also allows the state to properly regulate what's out there. If we have a million stores selling hemp-derived product and we don't even know what those products are because they're not regulated, what's going to make Illinois different than any other state where they can't control the amount of THC and synthetic THC products like we have a strong market in Illinois and again as Richard said you can argue over whether you like limited licenses or not but the point is the state created a limited license they created limited licenses so they could have the ability to track from seed to sell what's being it sold in stores and, and how could any of us on this call argue that that's a bad thing for consumers or for society in general I Josh, mean, I want to I want to let you that go. Cannabis wasn't even legal at one point. Like, Josh, I want to let you go, but really quick, are we? Or what, it's still not legal. What we're saying is, all intoxicating cannabinoids should be sold under licensees by the CRTA. Correct? There are. That's my correct. Opinion. They're already cat. Well, they're already. He said not CBD, so we're talking about intoxicating. But, but, but you see, right? You, Hold you on. Anything intoxicating. Intoxicating products. Correct. I agree. So so then it is an argument, I think, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, and I want to give Josh a chance to go ahead because he's not had a chance to speak all night. Um, I think it is an argument about limited licensing then because then you're saying that only the folks with those limited licenses can sell those uh, intoxicating cannabinoids. Josh? Yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of states that are doing it right. So, I mean, to say that Illinois can't, I mean, we're we're selling ourselves short. I mean, I work, uh, we're on the border of Iowa here. They're very strictly regulated. Um, you know, we have to get full panel testing, microbials, heavy metals. Um, their program works fine. Um, you know, the one worry but I They get, don't have a recreational cannabis program. No, they don't. Well, and that's the problem. And, and, and that, I mean, that's 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 validating the need for, for, for why hemp can work. They don't have a regular no, program. But no, the issue is the issue isn't that it can't work. The issue is in Illinois, we have an unregulated industry trying to emerge and become regulated in the face of an industry that's already highly regulated. The marijuana industry chose that route. No, 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 the state chose that route. The legislature chose that route. We didn't choose that. Kareem and Richard, Kareem and Richard, state to state to state to state, they have absolutely continuously chosen to go into this highly, highly, highly regulated space. And now mm -hmm. that people, people are moving to say, wait, there's an option that's not as regulated. That, that's what the, that's what the licensed industry is crying about. It, it's that the fact that people have found a way to, to produce products that are similar to theirs that don't force this over, over regulation. So it's actually time for the, the, the license market to come back towards the hemp market.
So I, Mike, I think no, I would I would disagree, I would disagree with that one one thousand percent. This is actually what I want to say the whole time, and that's just that number one um, out here in California. Again, uh, if people were as interested in hemp derived uh, THC products, there would be as many uh, uh, hemp derived dis dispensaries all over the state as it is cannabis derived THC. And the truth is, when customers actually have access. You want to talk about access when they actually have access to both they choose cannabis derived thc over hemp derived thc and so that's one of the things where you talk about what the actual market is if people had the the equal opportunity to choose they would choose cannabis derived thc products over hemp every time because you have low dose thc uh cannabis derived thc products just like you can create low dose hemp derived thc products so there's no really difference in them but uh, people would do that. And again, you can use California as a state because you can buy hemp derived THC products out here in California. Uh, the other thing everywhere. is I would just want to add mm -hmm. one other thing I would add just to uh, about the black community not having any money to spend. The black community doesn't want to spend money on overpriced multi uh, uh, corporate grown cannabis and by cannabis grown by people who, again, do not care about the industry, the culture or their own lungs, how they would like uh, they how they actually treat and describe the plant. You know, people are conscious about that. So if they are going to spend that money, that it's going to go to the traditional market in the same way that it does. A lot of it does in California as well, because, you know, honestly, the traditional market is still overshadows the uh, legal market out here. And again, but again, the, the CBD market, it doesn't have the same type of foothold. So again, when people have a chance to choose, they're going to choose cannabis 100%. In the state of you're, Illinois, you're in a market the, one, the one problem we have, you know, like I'm on both sides here. I buy a kilo of hemp drive D9, cost me $1,000 or less. Now, I tr I'm trying to get a kilo of D9 distillate. I got three prices this last week, 21000 17000 and 14000 for a kilo. Now, the overregulation that the Illinois rec market has had has ruined the price of products in the state. And so if the hemp-based businesses get rolled in there, I'm afraid that the same thing is going to happen and it's going to be the consumer on the outside getting their prices raised. But hold on, Richard, am I wrong in saying that those high prices, correct me if I'm wrong, those are what? protects as you said earlier the participants so is that a feature no, or no, a no. Flaw? i'm sorry i meant the high prices of the license valuation right not of the product it's the goal of the regulated industry to drive down the product too but more retailers have to open more production has to open and it's going to take longer than um if we just uh didn't regulate it and the only reason i i don't like to have the argument of limited license versus license, uh, unlimited license in Illinois, right? New states is different, but in Illinois, they're not gonna change their minds. I, I promise you, they're not gonna decide, okay, regulated cannabis no longer is limited, anyone can apply. They're not gonna do that. So in the face of that reality, what do we do is what I'm saying. And we I feel like the, well, I was gonna say the proposal <laughs> seems to be that we allow all of these people, it sounds like it is an open license approach but you you have to comply with the same regulations that kareem akili uh sorry uh, mike mike i don't remember if you actually have a cultivation or anything open yet but the operators i'm trying to say you would comply with those same regulations 
right? But if you look at incentives, so, right? If you look at incentives and, and you look at the value uh, uh, of these licenses and what's going on in the store, the reason that I believe licensed operators are going to, uh, as to Mike's point, take an extra step, have an extra piece of, of care for the safety of the consumer is because what is at risk for them financially, right? That, that, that creates an incentive for them to care about that. So I'm not saying that hemp-derived cannabinoids, any future ones to be discovered of the 110 or whatever, right, um, should be regulated in the same way. It should be regulated as to the point of the Delta 9 uh, CBD guys. But I'm saying it divided by psychoactivity, right? The licensed, current licensed operators under CRTA, especially ones that are open, have lots of experience in dealing with a product that we know is going to get people high, Right. Now, I understand why the other end, the, the hemp industry doesn't want that. That is a huge hit to their sales. Huge, right? Uh, they didn't take off with, when it was just CBD. It right? could also be I, argued the other way around, though, that, that Todd selling his product is a huge hit to their sales. No, that's what I meant. It's oh, a huge fair enough, hit to their sales enough. if, I understand. You, if, you, if you regulate it. So I, I, if I were on their side, I would understand it, too, because the argument that THC is THC is true. Right. The argument that, that that a cannabinoid extracted from hemp is the same as a cannabinoid extracted uh, from from the cannabis plant, you know, given the same process. That's the same chemical in the end. That's true. But those aren't the only risks. Right. Liquor stores have lots of poor operators. Lower regulation creates a higher percentage of poor operators. Right. The incentive just isn't there. So all yeah. I'm saying is, 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 yeah, their business has to be limited um, to ours or flip the coin. Then what do you expect to happen to the regular a licensed cannabis industry. All you're saying is that we have to deregulate too, and the state will not do that, right? So even if that's what I wanted, it's it's just it's not it's not practical and it's not responsible as a business owner that's, to assume that the state of Illinois is going to do that because they won't. That's where I think it's getting you pushed for. It. At least I feel like I'm getting mixed up. Is like I don't think anybody's calling for deregulation. That like it, we're calling for regulation. By deregulation, I mean of the regulated cannabis space, oh. uh, easing the regulations. Yeah. Right. Everybody agrees that both spaces should be regulated in insofar as testing and safety and 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 compliance with these laws. Right. But my yeah. fines dispensaries start at twenty thousand dollars, man. But, 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 but where, where, where like, we're have, hella serious about it. Where, where, where I have an issue, and I agree with you, Richard. But where I have an issue is when you take people who are operating within the frameworks of the laws that are laid out today. And are mm -hmm. saying we're willing and able to operate within the frameworks of the law and regulatory body as they'll be laid out tomorrow. But but then to say, but wait, there's more. You can only sell that thing in my store. That's where I have a problem because that's when you start to choke off access to people who want to to experience the plant. You know, I mean, I, I'm going to be be super real with you. Plift to be sold in a sun, uh, you know, a sunny side dispensary would cost you between 12 and 14 a can. I can sell it at 3.99 a can in a Yesway all sub stores in rural Texas right now. And yeah, guess what? what about tomorrow, man? Well, what happens to the license holders who want to come in after you? Do you then want your industry licensed in a limited way? What happens? No, to no, no, I'm not advocating no, no, for no, no, license because no, I want I'm the saying... consumers. I want customers to be able to choose which products are the winners. But right now, right, so the go way all the, market, the way down the line and, the and make it impossible to get busted for selling it on the street, and then who wins? Uh, but hold on, there's there's that's amazing. There's people that's amazing if people are busted on the street because it's a shame that people are incarcerated. No, no, my question. Agree. Crimes, my question right? is, what do you think happens to your industry? I think that if we have sensible testing and labeling regulations for everyone, 
Wait, so you think we have good. to compete. The street to just sell everything and put it out on the street. You think that's good for you? Hell no. Hell but no. That's my point, bro. That's all I'm saying. Because it's less licensed and less licensed and less licensed. You're no, just no, no, entering no. more but, players into the game. That's, yeah, that's which okay. is great. That's okay. But but not what if it was the street? Then it's not okay, right? Because yeah, but we, if we can create a pathway for people, like look, there's the cottage. I'm talking about a pathway. I wish we could create a pathway too. Right, I'm but saying we're we look at it two ways. It. We can look at it we're under the practicality it. of the way the law stands, Richard, or we can Richard. write the thing back from the beginning. And if we're writing it back from the beginning, right, then I would do it very differently, man. Right, but if but we're, we have, we start the working with your hands in time. We're working with your way We're here, Richard. We're here right now. No, right. So that's what I'm saying. So I'm not saying limited your sales, but I am saying I am saying limit your swath of products to the non-psychoactive. Why? But I'm saying, why should why? I have? Why? Why? Yeah, can you the say psychoactive part is the part why? that was intended to, to be regulated? To protect, to protect, to protect, right? Hold on, yeah, that was the part that was intended so, to be regulated, and if that yeah. was the part that was intended to be regulated, then we can't put the genie back in the bottle and say and say do unlimited. It's oh. it's, it's too late for that. Here, okay. So it is an argument about limited and unlimited. Yeah, th and Rebecca, that's that argument can't be won, right? Because I'm saying on a on a philosophical level, I, I'm going to tend to agree with Todd. On a philosophical level, I'm going to agree. I'm going to think that everybody on the street should be able to sell it however they feel like if they grow it in their house. That's my that's my real opinion. But right. the thing is, I don't live in that reality, and I've not seen that reality exist anywhere in the United States yet. But why can't you push that reality through working with your legislatures? Because right now it feels like it, we're business Bro, owners. Bro, we, you don't think we've tried? To see that they take. No, we've I been trying since we've been, we've been trying since 20, 2012, right? Oh, and then right. I was back, and I was I back around that. here with normal in in the early two thousands. Right. It's, so it's will you support like democratization, so democratization that we can of, come of, of cannabis isn't going to work? Not in this country. They won't allow it. Because what do you think is coming out? Will you support all the vices are going to get legal? Glenn, licenses for hemp derived cannabinoids. But sure, whether or not Richard not does, it's like, yeah, I, 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 so, 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 so that goes back to my original point. So if the bill was written for CBD, I'm all on it, man. I, I, so I'm, I'm all about my original point. So the only the 7-Eleven shouldn't be able to sell Bud Light, whether it's 3-2 or not. That's what you're no, saying. No, it, they they should, but we don't live in a state where that's ever going to happen that way. But 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 Richard, I'm going right, to push you. What, what you're proposing is going no, Richard, to crush Richard, our Richard, industry, Richard, man. And how are we going to vote to Rebecca, crush our Go ahead, Rebecca. I'm going to push you on that, Richard, because you're saying we don't live in this place. No, that, no, that, no because what we, we hey have guys, an We have an opportunity to change it. That's all I'm saying. Here no, you are. have an opportunity, an opportunity to change it at it. our expense, right? No. What I'm looking for is, is a win-win, man, right? If you're, if you're looking at how the industry is concerned. Okay. So yeah, I mean, you go ahead, Rebecca. Regulations were done completely wrong on every level, federally, state. It, it's wrong. And there's a lot of things that are being said that we're finding out through science and the clinical application that aren't actually true, and they're being applied to regulations, and they should not be. So when we talk about we should just regulate the psychoactive components, um, turns out I'm sorry, I, I didn't I didn't mean it like that. I, 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 I'm both should be regulated, right? But if we're talking about where it splits between the CRTA well, and hemp, that that's yeah, what. I mean. So we're all all for regulation, but um, I don't the split between like this makes you high and this doesn't is kind of silly because we know from the clinical application that people with a high symptom burden can use a lot of 
plant-based THC and they never get altered, never, ever. They could use- Sure, but we're talking about the potential. CBD doesn't even have the potential to do the same, I won't say non-psychoactive, but it doesn't have the potential to do the same thing. the nuance with CBD. So should it be sold in 7-Eleven and gas stations and grocery stores? Richard says yes. Safe enough for that. Yep. Maybe, but also maybe not. And here's why. Everybody assumes CBD is the safe cannabinoid, right? That it doesn't do anything. There's a lot of safe things about it. The unsafe thing about CBD is it interacts with a hell of a lot more meds, over a hundred, and like basic ones, like things for your heart, antibiotics. So that's why it's really dangerous to sell these things without labels and education. No, but that would be regulation. I'm not saying that you should be able to sell CBD uh, uh, sight unseen. And, you know, I'm, I'm I'm certified in cannabis therapeutics from the University of Vermont. I know I, I've taught Illinois Masonic. I taught Northwestern. I taught mm, uh, Lutheran General uh, Neurology, uh, North Northwestern's uh, Northwestern's Neurology. I, I've I've done a lot of clinics uh, for physicians. That that's not what I'm suggesting. Well, what I'm suggesting is that we know that there is a psychoactive difference between CBD and the others. And the things that CBD has the most interaction with, things with like uh, antipsychotics, MAOIs, um, uh, or, you know, MAO inhibitors and things like that, I, I would assume that that's on a, on a medical professional to, to, to warn people of. But all the warnings should be on the package and whatnot. We run the risk is, is way lower in CBD is all I meant. So what people don't know, and this is even doctors, when we've talked to doctors, they're like, oh shit, really? So here's, here's the danger of just having things out at 7-Eleven um, that are medium dose is heart medications. So if you are on Plavix and you take CBD, you decrease the amount of Plavix, you have a heart attack, you die, or you clot up your, your stent for your stroke. And that's why, so the regulations are really, so everything was done very wrong. Um, and now we're trying to back up. So I think everything should be regulated, but the fact that the medical institutions have had no education on this and what they think is dangerous is not dangerous. And what they think is very safe is a little more nuanced than that. Um, and then you have really bad actors coming into the space internationally to try and compete with the safe products on this shelf at 7-Eleven. It makes for a whole mess. The way we have to start thinking about cannabis if we want it to exist outside of the pharmaceutical model, because it's just going to take one really bad story to kill every aspect of the industry, um, we need to think about it from a public health lens. So what should have been done from the beginning is we should have essentially made dispensaries, CBD shops, we should have thought of them more as public health centers and more integrated into the healthcare system. Now it's a little late for that, but um, we need regulations that at least these, these products should have specific labels, the QR codes that go to the COAs and warnings. I hate to compare it to cigarettes, but like in Europe, they have those very scary warnings. Sure, you could consume them. And exactly like, I don't believe we should pro, you know, alcohol is very dangerous. We know that. I don't believe in prohibition, but we should have regulation and warning labels. And if we're going to sell things in 7-Eleven, we have to be very specific about what we're selling and when. And how much? And I, I think that's consumer safety because we, I think we're all hoping and thinking that consumers have time to be educated consumers, but they just don't. And they don't know the difference between THCO and Delta-8 and CBD. They don't know that cannabis is this all-encompassing umbrella. They don't know the difference between 
a hemp plant and a higher THC plant. They just don't. And if we want consumer safety, we and we want the industry to survive and not become owned by the pharmaceutical industry, we have to be the ones to essentially regulate ourselves in lieu of regulations. The pharmaceutical industry ain't going to own this. Consumer packaged goods is going to own this. Watch. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. And I would just say I have no problem with uh, with hemp products being sold in 7-Eleven, but I just think they should be called hemp products, you know, and I don't know if uh, the hemp guys are so, pardon the pun, high on it, why they run away from it so much. You know what I mean? Like, why not just say it's a hemp derived THC product if it's if it's no big deal? You know what I mean? All natural. Exactly. Let the plants be cannabis. I want to call it cannabis because it's cannabis. No. Like it's not, it's not great. How do you, how do you respond to that? Yeah, the reason, yeah, well, the reason, the reason why I say that it should be, uh, it should be some distinction between the two is because again, I think it plays on the ignorance of the customers. So as operators, it's not so much about what the, um, what is, um, specified by the state to actually say regulation wise It's again, really should be more about educating the customer so that the customer is informed and knows what they're purchasing. Right. right? So then you let's know, have I, it, I think your product it, be a is, marijuana product because that's what well, it I don't, is. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't even no, I wouldn't call it a marijuana product because that's a derogatory term that people in it's a legal term. It may be a legal term, but it's also it's something legal. that I would never call my products. I don't we don't have marijuana products. We have cannabis products, right? Because I want to educate my customer. And again, that's the point that I'm making about what's legal and what the state allows versus what you have an obligation to do to your customer. You know, you keep on talking about, oh, well, the state calls it marijuana. What so so you want to be ignorant like the state or do you want to be a part of the community and help well, grow think, it and educate the people that are, are that are passionate about it Mike, you know if I could, marijuana stuff yeah if i could we all agree that it is cannabis sativa that's the genus and species right. for for our listeners that that you know have you know maybe forgot their high school biology it's cannabis <laughs> sativa it is not marijuana that is a derogatory term but to, to glenn's point it is a legal term and hemp is it also is. a legal term and it I is. think I think that does contribute to your point, Mike, the confusion, because at the end of the day, they are the same plant. Sure. And I think I think what your point is, is if kind they're of. hemp derived <laughs> the le- legally, oh, right? Oh, right. Legally and, hemp derived. Mike is suggesting they should be labeled as such. And the and, reason why and just real quick, Glenn, the yeah, reason yeah, why sure. I think they should be labeled as such is because there is a difference in the regulations right now. People can buy hemp from overseas like was mentioned and then sell it into gas stations or whatever in different states you know there's different rules and that's kind of the point i think that as this new industry as a whole comes online in more states it's it's very important uh by operators on both sides right whether you're on the hemp side or you're on the licensed thc side to be very protective of their potential customers because just like rebecca said all it's going to take is you see they're trying all the time to label these things and oh you know thc is driving kids crazy and i always wonder to myself what type of thc is it was it hemp derived thc product was it a cannabis derived? did they buy it from a licensed dispensary or did they buy it from a delta eight shop where did that product come from like where was the source of the product come from that that store sold to them it's a whole lot 
more than just what the headlines will show. And that's kind of the point. I think that we need to have some type of variation just on the labels, even though I know it might seem, you know, for those of us that are knowledgeable, okay, yeah, it's all the same plant, but yeah, the average customer doesn't really understand that quite yet. So it's, it's upon you to like teach them. Right. And Mike, I just want to just say that real quick. Like one, I don't want anybody thinking out here that I think the term marijuana is like a a good term, right? That's something I would never, you know, want anyone to label their product as because I agree with you that term has a derogatory background, but I use it to exercise just like go through the thought exercise. If you're asking me to label my product as hemp, which is a legal term and say, I can't use cannabis, even though we all agree it's a cannabis plant then you should label your product according to a legal term. And, and that's the double standard part that Todd was talking about earlier that, that I think we all are so angry with is that we want to provide jobs and put safe products into the market to, you know, one, improve our communities and give consumers the products they want and do business. But like you can't have it both ways where you can call yourself cannabis, but I have to call myself hemp. That's just like you can't do that without explaining yourself. And, and I haven't heard no, an explanation well, for that. Well, yet. I, I, I would explain it really quickly and I'll, I'll let somebody else take the stage. Mm-hmm. I would just say that um, the one thing I would say that we are kind of regulated um, under that. Whereas, again, I'll just use California as, a, as an example. They're trying to pass the bill right now about what is allowed on the packaging, even as much as like where if there's fruits and vegetables to be shown on there, um, if there's like the likeness of an actual person. So we are already regulated about what we can actually, I'm not talking about like cartoonish, I'm talking about we cannot put a picture of fruit on the bag, you know, and it's just, it has nothing to do with the cartoonishness of it. Um, and that, and my point is just that we are already regulated about what we have to put on our packaging, less so than a hemp company, which is kind of like the whole point of all this. And technically, cannabis is the legal term for cannabis sativa in the state of Illinois, even though the federal government uh, calls it something different. The federal government used to use words like occidental and negro also, right? So in the state of Illinois, cannabis is the legal term. Yeah, but we're talking about federal law, you know, and I get what you're saying. You're very fair point. It's defined as cannabis in the CRTA. Um, yeah, really and, quick. And, I just and on, I, and on that note, I just go have to say real quick, Coke. I think I see Akile is still on here. Yeah. Full disclosure: Akile Parnell is also my attorney. I got a lot of full disclosures, but Akile <laughs> Parnell is also my attorney. Shout out to Akile. He can definitely tell you what it, what the the legalities of it all is for sure. I don't yeah, want to the whole the yeah, the whole like federal oh it's federally legal like the federal government never intended to legalize Delta Eight like as a psychoactive. So they don't want that now. The DEA says they. No, that's not what they meant. But that's Everybody different knows though, that. the DEA. Uh, man, everything I'm hearing right DEA. now, they're gonna increase um the, the, the amount of TC allowed. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna keep rolling with it. They're not they're not gonna ban it. Well, well, I've heard that as well. We don't know that can that can change from administration to administration. They can but, change, yeah, we'll right? But 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 yeah. the, the reason that they're, that the the reason that they're considering raising it is, is is primarily because of South America. Colombia is a and I've worked down there, I've planted fifty thousand acres of C B D down there a couple of years ago. Right. Um, Colombia's standard is is higher. I believe they allow 0.05. So to allow international trade, which we have a, a trade agreement with with Colombia, uh, I think that's why the federal government is consider considering uh, raising the amount. Right. Because we're going to protect on the federal level. First of all, let me say I don't care what the federal government thinks. Right. right? right. Uh, I'm in a different situation. Um, I understand why the hemp CBD guys guys care because of interstate commerce. Right. But as far as we're concerned uh, uh, on the CRTA kind of regulated side of it, I could care less what the federal government wants. Right. I care what the state of Illinois is going to do. 
right? That that's kind of what affects us, with, with the exception of of two eighty e and and all this kind of crap, right? The, I think that's what's so weird about this is that federal law is ahead of state law in this in this instance, and so what you're saying, path, man. CBD is legal because of Mitch McConnell. Go ahead, go ahead, Akili. Yeah, Akili. They, they, yeah, not really. That's you're we're like uh saying things that the federal government is not saying it's a loophole and they didn't if they had known about it they would have closed it from the beginning so they didn't intend to create a delta eight market and the other thing i'll just say this i mean like i'm not there's no market for it other than misrepresenting it as regular weed in the mind of the consumer that's just it everybody knows that and so and, like if the, if, and you see it in california if everybody knows they can get regular weed for the same price if other than a, a key, low information it's banned, it's banned on, in california keel and you you have drive cannabinoids are banned in california my name is akili so i apologize akili yeah. i apologize we haven't met i right. I, I respect everyone on this call i want to be clear about that so yeah, i apologize yeah, for your name right all, yeah no i know hey everyone's name is the most oh, important uh can i just say though, really that that law bans synthetic cannabinoids and anything from hemp so yeah. to say that it's a consumer issue is just not entirely true okay and we're not it, saying it's a consumer i never said that but it is true that the federal government does not mean to allow delta aid they don't want delta aid they don't here's even a, like here's a picture weed. of mitch i think there you go thank you akili for clarifying they did mean to legalize hemp mitch mcconnell is proudly holding his yes. hemp pen no man i know yes, but to your point akile to your plan to your point yes thank mean. you, you know thank you no i was yeah i just wanted to give you a chance to clarify yeah, everybody knows that everybody knows they did not mean to create a legal loophole for a psychoactive version of they know but, everybody knows that. and all they but need this to do whole thread we're on this whole thread we're on is this legal definition and that's that's right. the problem is the crta doesn't bother to define the individual cannabinoids as regulated or not what it does define just like the farm bill is that cannabin? I'm sorry, cannabis-derived uh, cannabinoids versus hemp-derived, and technically, because you can derive uh, delta eight, even delta nine, from that small percentage that is active in the hemp plant, what we call the hemp plant, um, that's how they're able to extract it and 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 get it, right? Uh, all they got to do is change the definition to not include CBD, which is what they intended, and to include the psychoactive cannabinoids that we know of now, and put some clause in for future cannabinoids yet to be discovered. That closes the loophole if if that's what you want. I understand why that's not what everybody wants. You well, know what I mean? But personally, I think that's the best solution given given the framework in Illinois, which I also agree is the better framework compared to the unlimited license framework, right? But there are valid arguments on both sides of that. I want to wrap up in the next uh, 10 to 15. I want to give people a chance for the last word. Uh, anything that, uh, Akile, I know you were in the middle of kind of uh, – we were, you know, we were talking, so I wanted to give you a chance to pick up where you left off. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I don't really have too much more to say on that. Okay. Other than I think everybody in the industry on both sides understand that the real market for Delta A products is for consumers, for the most part, that mm -hmm. don't understand the difference. And there is a difference. And if there's not a difference, it should be treated the same. So the logic to me is simple. If it's the same, treat it the same. If it's not the same, consumers need to know that. Can you sell enough of it to stay afloat if consumers really understand that i doubt it but some people can and that's it i mean you know i i, I want to jump in here because yeah you know I, I i'm on both sides and i i particularly have been taking a lot of pride in the hemp side and uh not only helping out uh areas that are dispensary deserts and helping you know communities thrive uh but but also 
seeing the difference of what hemp can do. I, hemp benefits the industry, the cannabis industry, because it allows the consumers, because the, the cannabis industry only has so many customers right now that are familiar, that are willing to go into a, a, a cannabis store, which is, you know, almost a glorified will call with no information. And it's kind of a scary place. There's armed guards and multiple, uh, you know, show, you know, there's void card concerns. I mean, th there's all kinds of things going on there. But outside of that, the, 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 the can of curious folks, if I, if I could say that, are more willing to come into a, a bakery like mine and come where where they get shown and and they get uh, and we explain the difference between cannabinoids and terpenes and the and the endocannabinoid system and how it interacts and and how the uh, you know if, if the cannabinoids are like the car the terpenes are like a steering wheel and 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 they get more familiar with the understanding of how these things work and we create a customer that we find that they synergistically work together in fact that's why our business model is putting bakeries next to dispensaries we will have a hemp retail store next to a cannabis store that's happening in burbank that's happening in east dubuque that's happening in rockford that's happening in like we're doing it all over the state and we're we're uh we believe that that's going to be a model where a consumer can come in and feel comfortable on both sides of the fence, it, it is the same plant. You know, cannabis, if it's regulated, if we're talking about salt, cannabis is like Himalayan salt and hemp is like sea salt. They're both salt, one's from the mountains, one's from the sea. And we're like, oh, this one's really regulated and this one's underregulated. Well, that's not really true. One is like a vicious Doberman and one is like a toy poodle. They've been genetically bred over many, many generations to produce very specific. No, true. I, I'm a big land race fan myself. And, and you know, we have some land race strains, but outside of, so, so that's really. No, the no, truth I'm saying that's that. the difference between hemp and cannabis. One was created for fiber, man. And one was created for the cannabinoid. That's just the truth of why those two things were separated. They all derive from the same plant, right? right. And if I was you and I had both licenses, I would open them next to each other too, man. What great synergy. But the other guys who have hemp licenses are not going to be able to get CRTA-issued licenses, right? Yeah. Not right now. No, not no, 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 but I can tell you legislation changes. there were several people saying that customers were going to pick. And I think, uh, uh, Mike, uh, yeah. you were saying that. You want to know what I have found? Because we, we have Delta 9. We have Delta 8. We have different uh, cannabinoids. We have THCV. You know, we we have certain things that that customers come in and we 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 offer everything. We're like a liquor store that we have everything versus just one type of uh, uh, cannabinoid. And we see yeah, you're, consumers you're coming in and picking the liquor intentionally store. picking Delta Eight, intentionally picking Delta Nine, intentionally picking CBC or CBD uh, for various because. But it, they're coming in to, to get a, a certain result or an effect. Right. Yeah, but I think and, what was being what was being spoken to is that statistically we know that consumers given the choice will choose cannabis derived THC, especially especially, especially existing cannabis users. Right. We're not, not talking about Illinois cannabis. prices. We're talking, we're talking about existing. Well, I mean, we could bitch about Illinois prices. I think they're too high too, but it's what the market will bear. Yeah. Right. Well, I was say, let's remember where those Illinois prices, where the money goes back to. As much as we talk about Illinois prices, I think that gets lost. I mean, we are taxed, but again, that tax money goes back into the community, and mm. we can dismiss that as much as we want. But none of us, as far as I know, are doing the work Which that some of these operators are doing. 
and My black God. and brown communities. Disproportionately, well, I, mean, I agree with you. You can look up that. the definition of it if you like, but it's that's true. what the whole goal of this is. Mm -hmm. Why are we doing this? Is it you keep talking about how customers are going to choose this product, and that's great, but at the end of the day, take the products out of it. Like the product, the the damage that has been done by the wrong drugs is the focus. That would that needs to be remain the focus of this debate and what drugs has done to this community. And what I hear the hemp producer saying is, hey, we want to alter this plant to create more drugs and put them in the community. And listen, if, if that's what you decide and it's a synthetic way of doing it, I'm sorry, but I don't think the state of Illinois is in a position to say, we're going to allow this synthetic drug, but not this one. Where, where, where do we stop? It's easy to make uh, meth from Sudafed too. Do we allow that just because it makes somebody a dollar? I mean, give me a break. Like, let, let's be rational about this conversation and this discussion. And I'm sorry I get so debated. Yeah, but any of us on this call has been impacted by some synthetic drug one way or another, whether it's an opioid mm -hmm. or crack or cocaine or something else. And for us to act like that's not a real part of this discussion, but it's, it's kind of disturbing. I'm sorry. Yeah, Kareem, just, but, not but to, to, to the point to... Drugs. Yeah, and if I could, Kareem, to your point about the... I know Mike, you disputed it and I know why, and, and I'd be, love to give you the, uh, the, the taxes and where it's going, but to your point about if the taxes were truly going to, you know, the R3 and everything else, um, and really being used the way they should, my thing is like, why can't these people, they want to pay these taxes and they want Do to they? comply Have with they these. Said that? That's what LaShawn that. Ford's proposal is, as I understand it. Yes. Am I wrong? Does LaShawn's uh, proposal put money back into the community? It taxes um, yeah the tax yeah. he said he wants unless i'm misunderstanding it the tax because i actually said it without taxes when i ran it by him at psychedelic science in denver i said let's do labeling age requirements and testing and he said oh but cole don't forget we need to do taxes because that's the point of the crta and i said oh okay okay if we have to do taxes so that's part of the proposal as i understand it so but it's it's more than the taxes. Existing dispensaries have to take uh uh two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and and either put Fair. it into the and fund see this or... is what Kareem was saying earlier. Fair. If you want to get into that, I get. But I get there's that other point. stuff besides the taxes that that the current CRTA CRTA licensees have to do to right. ensure that money goes into R three, goes into communities. Right there, there's it's not just the taxes. Fair. Right, the taxes should help on a. Well, I don't want to get into it, but you you guys know. I get what you're saying. Yep. Okay, Mike, did you want to go where and we're about to close? Oh, no, only thing so. I just wanted to say is, is again, um, I, I I didn't want to speak more. I have opinions on licensing and open versus uh, more closed. Um, same thing about uh, um, a lot of the other things. I just wanted to keep it more about, again, the marketing and the branding of Fair what these products are because um that's where i have the big, biggest issue with i just want the customer to know what they're buying and i just feel like they it should uh hemp in particular should be a little bit more transparent um since they do have the privilege of being able to be in some so many more locations you know i think we the responsible people a don't really sell the synthetics the, the thcos this kind of stuff i mean uh, maybe some isomers, isomerization. I mean, that that's not the same as the the synthetics, like the oh, like the the acetate forms, uh, oxygenated, hydrogenated HHCs and stuff. We all agree that that's you know nonsense and shouldn't be sold, right? So uh, 
and and I know that we and I know others proudly label everything as as hemp. You know, I, I I'm proud that it's hemp derived. You know that that from local farms, right? I mean, like we're 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 uh, you know farm to table, right? I mean, like I'm proud of that. You know, we root our compounds and you know, we have beehives out at our facility. And, you know, we, we root our little baby girls, bam. I mean, their first taste of life is from rooting compound is sucking on honey, right? Well, you you guys sound like an exceptional there, operator. Right? That's off the point, but you, you know what I'm saying? You guys like, sound I, like an exceptional operator, though. Uh, how many of the guys you. that are selling your product are doing that? Yeah, yeah you can come out and visit our, our, our operation. <laughs> no, you sound, honestly, you sound like you got an apiary on site. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm about all that, man. Like, you know, at our grow, we're going to be doing uh, a living soil, right? We're going to be doing yeah. something a little different. But, right on. That, that's but, but my point is, as to Mike's point, is how many operators are like you? And, and how many that are selling these products are, are, are very, very different? Right. I want to. We, we we agree, but we've tried to regulate this. We've been pushing for for twenty one and over for for three years now. We've been pushing for proper labeling uh, standard. And you want to know who's shooting it down? Cannabis, big cannabis, not well, not, you, not the little you, CRTA guys. It's the legacy guys. Uh, so they're all on. The, they're, everyone's on the same page on this one, though. Even though we fight about everything else, the thing is, if you were to to to, to parcel out the psychoactive cannabinoids, I'd be the first to jump on board with you, bro. <laughs> So I want to close out yeah, with a, with a yeah. I want to close out with a thought that I I maybe nobody here is gonna dis nobody's gonna Wait, agree with me on. I, I have my last go, oh, go ahead. Sorry. What? Sorry. Hi. Um. So you can't see me because I'm about to go off camera. So I wanted to just comment that um I agree with a lot of what some of the panelists said that um you know we're. I worry definitely about people who've already been impacted by the war on drugs, who are already underserved in the healthcare community, getting the bad actors of the hemp-derived things. And I question, you know, so yes, there's a lack of dispensaries in these communities as well. Um, but wh where are the, like, the good hemp operators? That, like, why, I'm from the south side of Chicago. I, I don't. I don't see any hemp operators there either. So if the arguments were, were filling the need for a lower cost affordable product and we're supporting communities, but I, I don't see anybody in these communities. So, I mean, I'm starting to see social equity folks there now. Where, where is everybody then? And then I worry about the predatory people selling a low cost bad product and doing more harm. Well, Rockford is also a different market to, to, to your point, John, right? Rock, Rockford is much better about the social equity, in my opinion, than, than what I've seen in, in the city from the operators. Not, I don't know the government as well, but from what I see in operators anyway. I want to kind of, to Rebecca's point, I'm glad, Rebecca, that you joined again, because I am looking for your perspective, but I think everybody's going to disagree with me on the point I'm about to put out there, um, just to be honest, even like everybody. But even though like both all of you maybe have disagreed uh, today, you're all going to agree that you disagree with me t right now. I think so. But before I do that, I just wanted to say I did my best today at trying to host this and give everybody an opportunity to speak. And I know it's frustrating to have these conversations. So uh, I apologize, you know, if if, uh, you know, I, I know I can always do better. So I just wanted to recognize that. But I wanted to just we had a lot of talk about safety. So I feel like our conversation talked uh, today. This is going to be to close. And uh, I, I want to make this kind of a quick round. Um, I know I know I kept bringing up limited licensing and stuff, but really, it seems like a lot of the talk is about safety today. And I just want to play this clip that, again, I don't think anybody's going to agree with me on. It's a short clip, um, but let's let's watch it. So. 
drugs. I mean, one thing that worries me about the way cannabis and kratom and psychedelics are presented is that it's always couched in they're safe, they're therapeutic, they're spiritual, they're historical. But that isn't the point. Even if all those things are true and there's some debate, eventually someone will find a chink in that armor. Someone will die. Maybe they're not, haven't been used as long as you thought they were used. Maybe they don't always work therapeutically. So then what? Do you go back to prohibition? No. That's why I think you need to emphasize cognitive liberty. You need to emphasize people's right to explore these alternate states of consciousness, regardless of whether or not they're therapeutic or safe or traditional or spiritual. The point isn't that it's safe or any of these other things. The point is that if you want to live in a free society, you have to be allowed to take a certain amount of risk. I would completely agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that. But I also would agree that I agree that I disagree that I would disagree. <laughs> no, yeah, I agree with that. I was but, like, the, but the fact, but the fact that the, the, the politicians would never agree to something like that. So it's almost like a mute point. You know okay. what I'm saying? Okay. Like, yeah, I, I agree with it. But like, that's that's not the way it's going to happen. No, that's why you so, should be able yeah. to do it, do it illegally. And you just shouldn't go to prison because you use the drug. Yeah, I just say call it hemp again. What's the problem with that? You know, <laughs> yeah, why not hemp? If hemp is great, let's just call it hemp. Don't pretend just call it hemp. What, what do you guys think? Let, let hemp 11, be hemp and cannabis like, be cannabis. Yeah. But hold yeah, on a second. Like, what's hold the problem with that? So, Glenn, John, uh, Josh, I think you agree with it being hemp. Where you disagree is when they talk about taking away your intoxicating hemp, right? Is that where you disagree? Yeah, yeah. You want yeah, the no, shit. I'll, you want the hemp that gets I'll, you high still, right? We want I think just go through the same I think that's yeah but I believe that just because that's what you know just because the government has done something one way doesn't mean that it hasn't can't be improved right like we all know that government makes mistakes and willingly admits it so I think that this is act, exactly an opportunity to do you improve. agree and, that sorry go ahead Glenn, no I no no I, I guess my my just my one point here that I'd like to make is that it, it's obvious to me that many of the folks on this call believe that, you know, their business interests are threatened. And I would just love to hear, are your business interests worth imprisoning more people who will continue to sell hemp or marijuana? After nobody is nobody selling hemp on the streets. <laughs> no, nobody <laughs> wants anybody. Nobody was, was I don't remember okay. people getting so, arrested so for having hemp. Nobody was selling hemp. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, but my point here though, guys, is that what are you going to do to me if this law, if you pass a ban, are you going to tell me that I should go to jail? Are you going to tell all the other people that oh, are you selling shouldn't, You shouldn't go to jail. You should open another business, man. This is a regulatory yeah, issue, not a criminal it's issue. Compliance. You, should just, you should just call it But, but his, his point issue. is in Illinois, at least, and I know we're talking about, like, we're talking about a big issue that's not even just about Illinois, but to his point in Illinois, the answer is the criminal law. No, no, well, no, no. We're talking about like black and brown people. We understand. We were the majority of people going to prison for this in the first place, in jail by far. So, one, keep it in context. We weren't selling a bunch of those. Hey, just because of business. Also, I'm an attorney. If you're uncompliant, that doesn't mean you immediately go to prison. That means they come shut you down. You can't do that. You can't. You have to pay taxes or you get in trouble. It doesn't matter if the business is legal or not. Whatever. You can't sell oranges half the time without some kind of license. That's just the world. Yeah, but we also give Come the on, person that wants to sell for? oranges a pathway to sell that product. And at a, essentially, you can sell at a certain point, this way. 
Yeah, but you, you, we all no, know. Man, we're all I, I tried to sell. I tried to sell blueberries are... in Michigan. Try to get it into a Jewel or a Whole Foods. It's, it's, it's an entire. I sold, entire... I've sold meat into a grocery store before. It, I know how challenging it can be, but, and I'm saying but, that. But, but Richard, but like... Richard, wouldn't you say that experience that you went through of having to sell the blueberries taught you more about business? I mean, isn't that the goal here? Don't we want to make more sophisticated black and brown operators? Ab absolutely. And, can, and I ask Achille, can I ask Achille the? I want to ask Achille a question because I've spoken to many attorneys on my show and I understand that different attorneys have different opinions, but at least two attorneys agree with me that the criminal enforcement mechanism is the primary enforcement mechanism in the law. And the the example they give is, I think somebody used it earlier, if I get a liquor light, if I open up an establishment without a liquor license and start pouring booze and having you and Mike and everybody over and we're having a great fucking time. They'll come in and shut me down and be like, like you said earlier, Akili, give me a, a citation, a business citation. I think Kareem said that earlier as well. But as I understand it, that's not how it would work with cannabis. If I opened up a cannabis shop, the fuckers would kick my door in and it would be a, a matter of criminal law. Am I wrong on that, Akili? You're wrong in Illinois. Well, you're in wrong Illinois? in Illinois? One, there's a, there's a lot more to it. One, there's like the discretion that law enforcement has with the racism comes in to enforce or not enforce it, which has been the issue for 20, 30, 40 years, which is, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. But that, well, that's the big thing is the, enfor is the enforcement and discretion in it. But yeah, I mean, theoretically, at a certain point, if you continue to be uncompliant, if I don't pay my parking tickets, eventually they're going to come arrest me. I have a warrant if I have yeah, I, a million I dollars of parking tickets. So what, what do you mean? Like, I don't understand. Like, what I mean is, is therefore what I mean is that, like, you look at Illinois Normals page and you just look at the criminal penalties for simple possession of cannabis. These all existed in 1978, as you probably know, from the Illinois Cannabis Control Act. And my question is, why? Is the CRTA dealing with these infractions and sales and trafficking? It's, it's, which, it's not. These are these are criminal infractions. This is like if I'm a street. That's dealer, why, right? But that doesn't apply to licensed businesses. We get fined first. And I guess correct. It doesn't apply to licensed businesses, but it applies to somebody like myself or Glenn if we did anything like the licensed businesses do. Is my point? Am I wrong? I, I I think you're wrong because a licensed business, even if it's not licensed to sell Delta 8, without a ban, it makes it legal. But you still need to have some kind of business license. Yeah, and I'm just talking yeah. cannabis, not even exactly like what we're asking. Like out of your room like, like that, out of your house, then then yes, because it's, it's sales and trafficking, right? Those, those are those are legal criminal terms that, and if we want to discuss that, I think those are bogus as hell and wrong too. Right, um, and there, but and you can, at one hand, advocate for a limited number of businesses to sell these licenses, and then not allow anybody who wants to participate to participate. What about the person who's born know, today, why, why, or who's why, fifteen why years why old? Why can't I want both of those? We don't let a, an unlimited amount of, of liquor licenses exist. You have to go uh, before the do. liquor commission yeah, in Illinois. You have you to Chicago, You have to go before the liquor commission. The liquor exactly. Yeah, and assuming whether or not the community at, wants this, and, whether or not it's needed, into but it's the not market. unlimited. But but it, it effectively is bad for social equity, actually, just like any well, other yeah, industry where there's well, no uh, limits. I, I, well, on hold on. Yeah, let's this is, this hold on. I would hold on. I would this debate that one. Clearly, proven. I that it's one. clearly it's not even debatable because look at it. It you is. Know, you need I will play a clip. No, no, no. Look at most industries. Who, who dominates most industries when the state doesn't control it? It's I mean, rich people, rich white people, to be honest, rich white men. They don't. If you because they're always going to be able to kill you. on Who's dominating the cannabis industry right now? 
Yes, but there's an opportunity for me to be in it. If there was no no limits on licenses, then my license would be of no value. I'd be able to raise no capital. Well, yeah, but couldn't you? But you would raise value on money on a good brand, on a good story. How much capital all street dealers should be allowed to just continue dealing then? Yeah. Why not that? Here's what I will say. That's Here's what I will say. Is no, that, I got, if, if that if that's what we're arguing, like, look, I'm the first person yeah. licensed under CATR who who's a felon who's been to prison, right? As far as I know, right? And and, I, and it was for controlled know, substances. Yeah. All all I'm saying is, if 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 we're gonna pick and ch- if we're gonna rewrite the whole thing, then we should completely democratize it. And if you can grow pot in your yeah. house, it's good. You should be able to sell it. Mike, My point is, we don't live in that reality, man. Mike, but we are closer. To, we have an opportunity to do that now with hemp. At least get closer to that reality. And I'm not saying that like we. No, nah, that's going to create a completely different hemp industry. You know that, bro. But that's why don't? Want, man. Yeah, but why doesn't why doesn't this create an opportunity for you guys, right, to compete on making good products on taking products like mine I don't, that are I don't dope think, products that taste better? better? We care about the the, the competition. The, the groups that are doing it now are pretty good, right? The 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 issue is the dilution of the market, man. Like I yeah, said, but carve out CBD, carve out CBD from the psychoactive compounds, and I'm first on board. Yeah, I'm at, I feel like I'm hey, Glenn, I'm gonna let form of capitalism than anyone else, but yeah, of course, of course. Sorry, yeah, well, I'm again, that just recreates inequality. Capitalism recreates inequality. Period. We we all know that. Like just rock capitalism. Right, what and Achilles, yeah, as you said, yeah. Achilles, as you've said on my show in the past, and as you just said, you know, mm-hmm. when you limit the number of licenses, it 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 raises the intrinsic value, which is why people are proponents of the system. Mike, were you going to say something? I was just going to say something really quickly that Grant, Glenn said is that um, there is nothing really stopping you from entering the market, uh, um, Illinois market, if you really want to. Um, again, I teach this all the time in my class is that it really takes a little bit of ingenuity. And um, again, Richard could be could attest to this that again our brand Kranja has been in Illinois dispensary since the beginning right and it really was more about my partners understanding what that market could bear and understanding um how to uh, brand a product to get it into an Illinois dispensary and uh, we were able to do things outside of the state to be able to put more products in the market but there's nothing really stopping you from getting into the Illinois market if you have an actual plan we had an opportunity to enter into the Illinois market in 2021 um, with uh, white label products but I personally turned that down because I didn't believe that the operators had our brand's interest in mind. I didn't believe in the products that they were creating. So it's not always about, um, like nobody's stopping you. It's really about um, just seeing the opportunities and building, being willing to take those risks. Yeah, if you got a dope brand, we're hunting you down. We want to produce exactly. your get it on the shelves. We do that all the time. We launch products for other people all the time. Do you guys think that Delta 8 and hemp-derived products are, are a bigger uh, comp like a bigger suck of market share than if if craft growers were to get fourteen thousand square feet. The reason I'm asking about this is because I've heard murmurs on the street that maybe some craft growers will team up with the big operators to kind of cl- you know clamp down on this CBD thing so that they can get their fourteen thousand square feet they've been looking for and also clamp down on this this uh as some people call it a loophole uh what well, do you guys well, think about that i mean i think the craft grow operators you know they're looking at the same thing they see a, a threat and you know it's a challenge it, it's already think- challenging for most craft operators and this is just the bigger this is another threat that they have to face i'm sorry go ahead go no it's okay kareem do you think that uh that the delta eight my question is do you think delta eight and hemp derived is a bigger threat 
than allowing craft cultivators to get 14,000 square feet because big operators have lobbied against that in the past. That's why I'm kind of asking, like, well, I do think you think that, maybe yeah, you can get well, what you want because of this? I, I think the craft guy should be allowed to go to 14,000, like without question. And I do think that, you know, that's something that we just need to let this play out, honestly. And there's no offense to the guys who are trying to make a, a, a dollar here. I get it. But, you know, this is a, a rare program. It's, you know, as as Glenn mentioned earlier, it's still illegal federally. However, like, let's give it a chance. Like, Illinois was the first state to pass this without a referendum. We went through the legislature and we talked to the Black Caucus and the Brown Caucus. And it's not perfect. It's far from perfect. But guess what? You got more black and brown people in the industry now than you ever had under medical. And, you know, it might be a handful of owners, but guess what? A handful of owners create jobs. They they know what it's like. Folks who grew up in a community and sometimes, you know, you get a job and people forget where you grew up. But I grew up in Chicago on the south side. I may not talk like it and people may think I grew up somewhere <laughs> else. But guess what? I got some of the same stories that other people have. And I can tell you. <laughs> Anytime we talk about these synthetic drugs and things of that nature, we just got to be really careful. And if I could close and thank you, Cole, for having yes. us on. And this is I, to your credit. This has probably been the kind of longest debate any of us have had on this, you know, publicly. So I appreciate you giving us this opportunity. And, you know, I applaud the guys who got up here and, you know, it sounds like John and, and Josh and, you know, everybody we've talked to today are probably the exception to the rule when it comes to some of these operators. And I don't mean to demean any of your colleagues, but we just got to be honest about what's out there. And there are people out on the streets selling the, the products that we talked about earlier that are labeled intentionally for kids. And we got to clean that up. And there has to be some type of regulation for that. So I would just end on that note, at least for me, I thank you for having us yeah. on, Cole. Um, Thanks, Kareem. And great talking to everybody. Yep, Kareem, we'll uh, we'll connect again in the future. Maybe have you back on for a you know a one on one. Um, got everybody. I just want to say again, uh, you know, I appreciate your grace today. I know that these Zoom calls and trying to jump in can be hard, and I know we lost some folks. Um, thank you all for joining this uh, panel and speaking your mind. That's important. You know, thank you for taking the time to share why you believe what you believe. And I hope folks, you found as much value in this conversation as I did. Uh, I want to give everybody a chance for the last word out of respect for all of you. Um, Richard, uh, we'll start with you. Uh, last word. First of all, th thanks, man. You put together a really, a really unique, informative, informative thing here, man. Um, thank you. So, so I appreciate it. And thank you. Like, like I said, I, I look at the issue in a couple of different ways, and we're not going to be on the same side on, on each of those. I think it's about the community, society. I think it's about the consumer, and I think it's about the industry. Um, I think everyone agrees in, in regulation. Um, and if the argument is about limiting the licenses or not, uh, I think that argument was for five years ago, six years ago, you know, honestly. Um, my opinion is, is you separate out the CBD, and, and I'm a huge believer in everything that the hemp guys are doing uh, on the CBD side. Um, when it comes to the psychoactive, properties, you should let the guys who have been licensed, regulated, and have proven that they can do it, regulate those. The The industry will expand. It's just not going to expand at the pace that uh, some of the people want right now. Hey, Rebecca, if you want to go next, and then Akili. Yeah, absolutely. So I think school for having me and um, awesome podcast as usual. So you have an amazing program. I did enjoy this panel and I love the debate and I, I loved everybody's opinions. And yeah, I think all of us, at, at least on this panel, like I think everybody 
has good intentions um and that's awesome and i just want to like agree that yeah i think we have to be really careful when we make things illegal and throw people in jail we should not absolutely not do that anymore um and i i just want to make a point that uh you know if we do ban these things and make them illegal and do start you know, have and we continue to kick down doors, we know who that's actually going to affect. And I, I don't think it's going to be the male white operators in the hemp side. Um, it's going to be the everybody else who tries to do the same. I think there's going to be an equity in that. So, you know, when we are fearing criminal charges, I, I think there's going to be there's a lot of people on this call on the hemp side that are going to be quite safe from that. Um, but I, I don't think we should do it at all. I think there should be fees. You have to pay your taxes, of course. Um, and then I think we have to think about harm reduction and not doing harm anymore to communities that have suffered a lot. Um, and I agree with you, Cole. Actually, uh, so in that uh, the clip you showed, I actually agree that we should legalize and at least decriminalize everything, right? Because when we look at studies about why people use substances and and i'm going to exclude cannabis because cannabis again and hemp very safe until you you know start making synthetics and smashing it in with pharmaceuticals um what if we're going to decriminalize everything we have to have you know support for people we we have to get down to the bottom of why these substances are being used we have to increase health care we have to increase food security you know there's a study in london people don't get addicted to substances because they just want to they do it oftentimes because they are unhappy and miserable because we have made life hard for a lot of people unnecessarily so i actually agree we should decriminalize a lot of things and then put support in place to keep people out of prison and give them healthier higher quality lives so thank you for having us but yeah i I care about public health deeply. So that's that's what I'm doing here. And no matter what happens to the industry, uh, we'll be here. <laughs> so whichever way it goes, we'll be here to give consumers safe and factual scientific information. Thank you, Rebecca. Uh, Kaylee, thank you for joining tonight. Uh, go ahead and go with your last word. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks for, for yeah. hosting this again. Um, I got a little, uh, we got fired up in there as we should, yeah, but uh, nothing but respect and, and love to everybody that was on the call. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I hope that we can continue to have these conversations and have like transparent conversations and like, you know, you know, I think we got to, you know, be honest about, you know, sort of what this Delta 8 market is. That's really the real market and, you know, what they're trying to accomplish and come up with something that's fair and, safe for society and gives you know the regulators enough information to feel like they're protected i mean there's a lot of different stakeholders here um you know it'd be great if we could come up with our ideal uh structure for everything that's just not a possibility and so i got to deal with the world as it is and come up with the best uh most fair and consistent uh way to to regulate all these things so again thank you so much for joining tonight akili mike yeah, I just want to say, uh, excuse me, uh, thanks again for having me, Cole. Um, it's an honor to be on your new 
uh, venture, which you launched this new venture with, you be a part of it. Um, and salute to everybody on the um, on the panel tonight. You know, against for real, some legends on there, obviously, because you know we got familiarity. Uh, a lot of legends on the panel, and I just want to say again, keep it really simple. Again, I have feelings, obviously, about licenses and what should be sold and everything, and where it should be sold. But I'm really want to just nail down, you know, how we present it to the public. You know, and I think that um, the more information you give the public, I'm also a licensed realtor and still in Illinois, the more information you give the public, the better. Um, and so that's always what I lead with, with our brand Kranja. And that's, I'm going to stand on that right now. And I feel like, you know, something as simple as saying it's cannabis derived and hemp derived. Again, very soft words, nothing scary. It's not you know, uh, anything super, super crazy, right? I don't, I don't think that's a lot to ask. And that, and, and so I'm, I just want to stay on that. And again, thank you. I appreciate uh, the opportunity. Cronja uh, Culture on Instagram and I'm Mike G to God on IG as well. All right. And Michael Malcolm on LinkedIn, you know, if you're really trying to get some money. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Cole. Sorry, I'm muted. Thank you so much, Mike. Glenn, uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, put in your last word? You better not be driving. Oh, okay. You're good. You're parked. You're oh, parked. no, I parked. I parked. Yeah, I mean, this, this is this is what entrepreneurship looks like, right? I was and, say, and break a lot of time. <laughs> no, no, no. I parked for this. I parked for this. Um, I, I, again, Cole, thank you. I appreciate you for not shying away from conflict. And I honestly, I have so much respect for everyone on this panel. Like, again, I'm I look up to all of you as people who as business owners, like I respect and, you know, certainly wish to emulate in, in many senses. And frankly, I, I don't fault anyone for acting how they are in the positions that everyone is in. Right. And and I hope that, you know, there is an opportunity to come together and collaborate and compromise because I think that there's opportunity for everyone here. Um, you know, speaking from my perspective, Lyft is a product to help get people familiar and comfortable with, cannabis or hemp derived cannabinoids again i'm not trying to like hemp derived cannabinoids let's call it and we really did this because alcoholism runs in our families and we're trying to make a product that is broadly distributed so that if somebody who is 21 plus says am i gonna have this beer am i gonna have a plift that they reach for a plift and hopefully hopefully have one less bad thing happen right and now not everybody has that story and not everybody cares but I care. I know Todd cares. I know many other people, everyone on this call cares, but all the hemp operators on this call in particular really care. Uh, and again, I'm just talking about hemp right now and, and making safe products, selling them to adults over the age of 21 and making sure that products are accurately labeled. And I would love to have a conversation about how we can do that so that the economic benefits of hemp are available to everyone. And then we can reinvest those benefits wherever we need to decide as a, wherever we need to as a, as a, as a state, as a community or where, how, however this money gets allocated. But I, I just think that we have a once in a generation, a once in a lifetime opportunity to really improve off of some important steps that many of you on this call took to legalize, you know, cannabis, marijuana, whatever you want to call it. But we can go so much further and this is that opportunity. And I don't think we'll ever get it again if we, you know, kind of let this pass us by and let the greed of a handful of people not speaking anything on this call. I know you guys are all hustling as hard as I am right now, but we all know that there are people in this industry that are already incredibly rich 
are trying to make a lot more money. And the reality is, is I think we have a lot more to gain together than we do any other way. So again, thank you. And so much respect to all of you. Um, I, I genuinely mean that. So thank you. Thank you, Glenn, John, and then Josh closing words. Oh, yeah. Cole, uh, appreciate, uh, you having me on this and I want to yeah. thank all the other panelists, uh, all the esteemed, uh, entrepreneurs and business owners here. I respect everyone's position. And, uh, you know, so I appreciate it. So, you know, Glenn, you mentioned economic uh, benefits and, you know, starting in 2020, I originally just applied for all the cannabis licenses, right? And then I went to hell and back, just like many of you, to get them, right? And the difference is when COVID hit, when the lawsuits hit, when all that hit, I became a full-time weedsman. So I went to what was available and went to the hemp licenses and started understanding the plant because I, I live by two things. I, I, I love the plant and I love people, you know, period, right? So we started off that way and fell in love with the plant. And, and I'm able to, you know, we've developed 500 different products. You know, we only have about 220 on the shelf right now. And I mean, we understand, we, we, have, a, we have a knowledge of this and the hemp has not only given my company the ability to fund my cannabis projects because everyone's saying how valuable the Illinois licenses are. Where's the money? Where's the money? These licenses are going down in value because no one's funding them. No one's able to get off the ground. So I, I want to believe they're valuable because I have some, but the only person that's funding them right now is me. And I'm doing that through the hemp business because I was able to launch that. I wasn't able to launch my cannabis business, period. You know, I, I'm in hemp because cannabis, even though I was a winner, even though I'm social equity, even though I have all these things, I didn't have the money. Just like every other social equity person. So I did something about it. And I helped my community at the same time I helped myself. And that's why I believe in hemp and that's why it's important. And I believe that hemp 21 should be going forward. LaShawn Ford, I mean, he, he's got I mean, the whole regulation piece, but if we can't agree on all the regulation, but let's at least just say 21 for any intoxicating, uh, whether it's hemp derived or cannabis derived or whatever you wanna call it, if it's intoxicating, get it in the hands of adults. What's wrong with that? Well, why can't the industry yeah. agree on that? So th that's just my two cents. John, I want to thank you so much, and uh, we should, you know, all of you, Richard as well. I, uh, I want to, you know, extend the invitation to all of you to come back on. Josh, go ahead and uh, welcome back. Give you your closing word. Thanks, Cole. I uh, appreciate the invite tonight. Um, everybody joining, it was a great conversation. I think it's these conversations that normalizes the industry a little bit more we're giving the information out we're having these conversations uh you know we all might be on different sides but at the end of the day uh you know we're we're trying to get this plant safely to people so um you know working both sides of the market we're looking for regulation on both sides um to get people safe products um you know so uh I think, you know, this conversation is going to continue and um, hopefully uh, we 
we're able to uh, get get this out to more people and just um, get the get the plan out and yeah figure out uh, what to what we need to do. So and the, the I, oh go ahead go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I didn't. I really, really appreciate the time tonight, and uh, you know, we'll we'll get together again and have this conversation, and hopefully, keep it going. Absolutely, absolutely, Josh. Thank you so much, and I'll keep my last word very short and just saying once again that I think this is what makes the Cole memo better than a debate in a television time slot. Boom, um, folks. Thank you so much uh, for joining, and uh, again, I hope you uh, enjoyed tonight's uh discussion um keep in touch everybody i really appreciate all of you for being willing to participate not only as long as we did but as openly as you engaged like thank you i couldn't have asked for a better panel right on thank you man yep peace out bro i appreciate you take care everybody take care Bye. Thanks. Thanks. much love rich bye everybody right on.